Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by Drip Shop Live. Shop live streams of sports cards from your favorite sellers right from your phone or computer. Giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal boxes, singles, and more. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and all the Cleveland Guardians victories we can talk about. Which is one right now. <laughs> no, no, they're still they're doing great. Uh, that is Drew Pelton in the background. My name is Jeff Baker. You are listening to TTM Cast. This is season four, episode 41. It is the weekend of October 15th. You're listening to the nationally ranked sports card podcast hosted by me. My name is Jeff Baker, where I'm talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. And those great pipes in the background, my friend, my co-host, Mr. TTM himself. I'm talking about course about drew pelto from dallas texas my co-host hey drew hey good to be here as always lots of stuff going on busy week we're in the uh, as, as csg would say we're in the sports equinox right the sports yeah. equinox so there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of collectible news why don't you let people know about your wait before we talk about radio show let people know about your youtube channel because i know you just posted a great video uh last week and uh, he, he guys check out follow drew on youtube because his stuff is really cool yeah i had about a one hour video posted with all my uh, ttm stuff in-person stuff and the crazy thing is i still end up forgetting to put a few things in that I had in a different folder. So I'm like, oh crap, that could have been even longer. So, but yeah, if you go to uh, youtube.com slash DFW grapher, I post all my videos up on there. Usually once a month, I'll try to put up whatever I did in the previous month, both in person through the mail, whatever. Um, you can find that of course through my website as well, which is dfwgrapher.com. You can connect to my YouTube from there, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, find out what I'm collecting, what I'm looking to trade for. Anything like that, dfwgrapher.com. Basically, if you see something with DFW Graffer, that's probably me. Oh, and you didn't know, Drew has been named president of the Bob Costas fan club. <laughs> I don't get the hate for the guy. It's, I mean, there's been so much there in that game yesterday. Just, I mean, both Yankees fans and Guardians fans just lighting him up on Twitter and Facebook. And it's like, why? What's the problem? Well, the Yankees fans were all saying, well, he just won't shut up about Shane Bieber. And all the guardians are say, well, he just won't shut up about Aaron judge. I'm like, that's his damn job guys. Come no, on. He, Drew, he's really, really good. I love yes. him. I, I, he, you know, he brings a sense of history of the game. He loves the history yes. of the game. Exactly. And, he has and, a respect uh, for, I mean, everything that's gone on over the 150 plus years of the game. I mean, he'll, he'll drop stuff about, you know, stuff that happened a hundred years ago, if he can, this is a guy that, I mean, before Rob Manfred came as commissioner, they were talking about Bob Costas for commissioner. And I would have been completely in favor of that. I agree. So congratulations on being president of the Bob Costas fan club. <laughs> I'll join you. I'll be vice president because I really, really love him. Why don't yeah. you let people know about our uh, radio show? Yeah, you can find us on the Sports Map Radio Network, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern, Sunday mornings, 7 a.m. Eastern, same show running both times there. So if you if you catch one, you don't need to catch the other unless you really want to. If you miss one, hey, you, can, you got another chance to pick it up. But that's uh, Sports Collectors Club is the name of it. You can check us out at sportscollectorsclub.com. You can find uh, past episodes all on there. And of course, any info about the show there as well. Yeah, make sure you check that out. 
guys who had a lot of stuff going on uh, collecting wise in, in the um, in the sports world as well. I, I picked up a prestige uh, blaster box at, at Walmart. Walmart. I always miss that up. Walmart. Walgreens. Wal. Wal. Whatever. So I picked up at Walmart uh, last week, or out with the the family doing some shopping, and they had they had like two two prestige boxes on the shelf and nothing else. So uh, I know I know we talked a little about this on the radio show, but I haven't had any luck in the Boston area finding cards. It's just been you know the garbage stuff that no one wants, and you can't find basketball, football, or any of the the cool baseball stuff. So. I don't know. They say they say that cards are readily available in retail, but I haven't had any luck. How about you? I haven't really done a whole lot of looking lately, but typically in kind of, you know, throughout to, throughout 2020 and early 2021, it was kind of tough to find cards at uh, local places here. But over time, it's gotten better. So, I mean, usually your lo- our local Walmart targets here all around DFW have been pretty well stocked on them. So, I've like I said, I haven't really looked recently at all, but they've usually done pretty well that it depends on the product, of course. I mean, you're going to find your regular top stuff. You're going to find your heritage. You'll find archives and stuff. But I know you and I were talking about Pro Debut, and nobody carries Pro Debut. I don't think they even make blasters of it. No stores carry You have to get that through a hobby shop, typically. Yeah, I thought they I thought they did make blasters of it, but I could be wrong. Yeah, if they did, I've never seen them in stores at all. But, uh, yeah, I've also never really gone looking super heavily for them either, though. But I know. I'll if I see an eye out and see. If I see pre, pro debut, I got to pick. I want to pick a box up because I think that that's a, a cool one. And you know, we go to minor league games. So I don't go as much as you, but it's still nice to have those cards. You know. Yeah. Um, it, this is the best time of year in terms of sports, right? There's all sorts of stuff going on. Baseball playoffs. Your Guardians. Yay! Can keep keep going. Keep on beating up the Yankees. Yep. Sorry, sorry, Les Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> and some of my uh, other listeners out there but we're, we're rooting for the guardians my dodgers are having a tough time with the san diego padres uh i never thought i'd see the day again you and i talked earlier the phillies i think the phillies are, are, are might be the team to beat in the national league i think they're uh they got pitching they got hitting they're they're a pretty good defensive team and uh i just didn't you know they, they're giving the braves a run for the money so we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes um hockey started it's a national it's a holiday in my house. I don't know about you, but I saw my my, my Bruins beat the uh, Washington Capitals, which was very very nice, five to two. I think they're playing the New Jersey Devils today, so uh, they, they, I think it's gonna be a long season for the bees. But um, how about I know you're you're an Avs fan because your wife, so they they they'll probably make it back to the Stanley Cup Finals again. But how are the Stars? The Stars look any good? Um, haven't really seen the stars. Yet. I don't really typically pay a whole lot of close attention to my penguins are actually my number one uh, NHL team, but okay. even that, I just haven't paying that close of attention to them for a while. So, I mean, definitely my wife being an Avs fan, I've been watching them a lot closer now, but yeah, I mean, Avs are probably going to have another strong season from everything I've seen. I mean, they beat up on the Blackhawks the other day. Um, penguins are probably going to be another team that's, you know, going to have a decent playoff run and probably crap out before the finals, but there was one simulation I saw that had the Penguins versus the Avs in the finals. And if that happens, I think my wife and I may need to wall <laughs> somewhere down the middle. Of the You're going to separate, there. separate me two different rooms. You guys yeah, you have exactly. to separate. Yep. I think she's a bigger Avs fan than you're, you are a Penguins fan though. Yeah. And I think the reason for that, I mean, I've seen the Penguins in my lifetime win five Stanley cups. It's like, I don't want to say it's gotten old because it, it never gets old, but at the same time, it's like, if you win the cup, Hey, awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of, Expect when you have, you know, Crosby and Malkin both on your team. There in any year you don't, it's like, dad, whatever. So I kind of almost have gotten to understand what it feels like to be a Yankees fan a little bit there because of that. But yeah, it's yeah, kind of the same, 
the Patriots, you know, we've had so much yeah. success that it's like, all right, they're not going to be good this year. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be good in two years. So, yeah. Um, I also have um, the NBA season starting and I have my fantasy draft. I haven't done a fantasy basketball draft in a long time. And uh, one, one of uh, the guys that I fall on, uh, Facebook has has a basketball group and a baseball group, and I got he sent out a, a message. Anyone wants to join? So I joined his league. We have our draft tonight at eight thirty. We're doing this on Saturday night, so hopefully I'll, I'll get some good guys, and uh, we'll, we'll report back next week. So that, that's pretty cool. Drew, did you go to any games, or how, did you get any collectibles this week? No, unfortunately, uh, kind of a slow week here. And I mean, we'll hear about that in the TTM section there as well. I'll have a whole one to talk about there as a spoiler alert for later on, but. I did. Uh, I have agreed to a couple trades at least. I'll have some stuff coming in here pretty soon. Um, yeah, I mean the games. I mean no minor league games, no major league games except playoffs, so nothing to go to there. Uh, Rangers development camp. They've been doing this thing every year uh, recently, where in the fall they'll bring in like fifty minor league guys, guys who've been anywhere from like their uh, instructional leagues in you know Arizona, Dominican Republic, wherever, up through like a ball. And they bring them into this area here and they play against a bunch of college teams. It's weird. They play like these 12 inning games against these college teams. Just to get a lot of at bats. Yeah. Get everybody in the games, get them some at bats, get them some innings pitched, whatever you got. But uh, it's uh, they used to have them at uh, out in Frisco at the double uh, a ballpark there. And so they play against like Texas tech, TCU, uh, DBU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Baylor, anybody like that that would come in and play. Well, then a couple of years later, they switched and said, okay, well, we're going to actually play in the college team's ballparks there. And then one game at Globe Life Park there, so uh, Globe Life Field. So they did one at DBU a couple of years ago and then one at TCU. And I was really looking forward to that again this year because originally the schedule said, okay, they're going to play TCU at TCU. They're going to play uh, University of Oklahoma in Frisco, then play three other games on the road. I think it was against like Arkansas, Texas Tech, and somebody else. Well, at the last minute, they changed the whole schedule. They're playing everything on the road except for one game at Globe Life against uh, TCU. So they don't uh, giving us a, they aren't giving us a game in Frisco. They aren't giving us a game at TCU or at DBU. And the one in in Arlington, they're charging seventeen bucks to get in. Wow, it's ridiculous. I mean, it was free to go to all these other ones, which was great. I mean, they are taking a page out of the Red Sox book. The Red Sox used to do that. They bring in their Double A and Triple A team, and then they'd play like two or three games at Fenway Park, and then they tried you like. or something you know what I mean like yeah and that's that's the biggest problem the Rangers is that they are a team who thinks they need to run themselves like the Yankees Red Sox Dodgers or Cubs but they're a third rate team that doesn't have anywhere near the prestige of any of those teams and it's just it's ridiculous seeing them do that they're if anything they're going to lose fans over all this stuff I mean yeah you'd only get maybe a couple hundred fans who come out to these things but still I mean charging 17 bucks okay well hope the 45 that show up have a really good time did you see the post on uh I think it was on Twitter and I think you did because I think you, you commented on it. But the guy that they were going to the um, Arizona Fall League. Oh, and, yeah. And the guy was, was posting like people were, were putting out 30 and 40 cards to, for for guys to sign. Is that something that you remember? You know, because you do a lot in person. I don't remember seeing people with all like, you know, if you, you, you have a couple of cards, you have a couple of different cards. There's no problem in that. But I don't remember having somebody having like a handful of cards and having asking the guys to sign it. Is that something you've seen? I saw a guy drop 150 cards on Mikey White. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it, and the, the thing made it even worse. Now, he asked Mikey beforehand. He said, hey, yeah, if I have a ton of cards for you to sign. He was like, yeah, no problem. And the thing is, he then goes out and posts a live video of it on Instagram of him doing this. It's like, dude. 
you are ruining the hobby single-handedly by pulling crap like this. I mean, it's one thing if you go in there, you like, if you have, I hate when guys go in with, you know, like 10 cards of a guy, but if they're all different, it's like, uh, fine, whatever, dude, just, you know, save some for the rest of us is all. But when you go in with like, yeah, 30 and 40 copies of the exact same card, it's like, that is overkill. And that's what's causing these I'd guys to I'd be embarrassed stop by it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't yeah. you be embarrassed by it? Absolutely. I mean, if I put four cards of a guy down, that's the most I'm going to do of all of the exact same card is four. And even then I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll just stick to two, I think, most of the time. But yeah, it's, I mean, that's what's ruining these guys in the, uh, you know, rookie and A-ball levels is that you get these guys who go out to, you know, the Carolina League games or whatever, uh, South Atlantic League, Midwest League, and they're dropping 20 cards on a guy at a time. And at first the guy's like, oh yeah, of course I'll sign all these. Yeah, no problem. Give it a couple of months and they're going to be like, okay, yeah, I've signed enough for you, but to sign one. Hey, you, I've never seen you before while well, signing one for you too. So, and then by the time they get to double A where I'm at, there's a lot of them who are like, uh, yeah, I'll sign after the game. And then they find you after the game and say, I'll do it out by the bus. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be at the bus, dude. Thanks. So, yeah. I mean, I, I usually when I ask for car uh, autographs in person, I stick to one or maybe two. And, you know, unless it, you know, if you said, hey, hey, Jeff, I, uh, I know you go into this game. Can you get me a card signed? I don't, I don't mind doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if it's, if it's just for me, uh, even if I have five or six car- different cards of the guy, I usually pick out like two cards that I really want to get signed and then, then leave it at that. And I just, I don't know if you saw the one um, and I forget who it was uh, that uh, the guy had his six-year-old kid sign an autograph. That's when, and, I, when we first started this. That's what I thought you were going yeah. to Yeah. And then the, the, the player, and I forget who it was. It might've been Henry Davis, who was, was the Henry first Davis, round pick, yes. right? Yep. And he, he, six, he was very, Henry Davis was very pleasant to the kid and he was going to sign for him. And they were talking to the kid and the kid's like, well, I don't know, I don't know who you are. My yep. dad asked me. And so he, Henry Davis signed next time, don't ask your kid to get autographs or something like that on the ball. Yeah. And I'm behind that. Yeah. I, I really am. You know what I mean? It's so don't, don't use your kids, you know, if they, you want to, you want to get an autograph, at least let them know who they're getting the autograph from, from, and uh, teach them about the game and teach them about the history of the game and why, the, why this is important. Not just, just farm them up because they're a six-year-old kid. All right. Yeah, you want to get off the, so should we get off the so, soapbox and start talking uh, show? I was going to say one more, just one last comment. Yeah. I knew when I first saw that post there, cause it was like somebody said, Oh yeah, real nice Henry Davis, right? This on a six-year-old kid's ball. And the moment I saw it, that ball was in a sweet spot jacket and no six-year-old on earth is using ballpoint pen and a sweet spot jacket to get a baseball signed on their own. So it's like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, whoa, that's like four red flags all right there. I mean, anytime you see a six-year-old kid getting autographs, it's probably a China ball and a Sharpie that they're going with out there. Right. So I knew instantly it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's a huge red flag right there. And then Davis's explanation came out. It's like, yep, that's exactly what I thought. So. Right. Yeah, and just, six-year-old kids love getting autographs. I've seen yeah. it. They, they love it. They don't, but they don't care if it's Henry Davis or the, the last pick in the in the the, the draft they right. they don't really care they just like they like the interpersonal autograph and i've seen kids you know kids that they they save their they'll, they'll display their autographs and you'll go into you know the you go to the house and they're like oh i want to show you my autograph and they pull out at some, some you know backup infielder that's had three at bats but that's the most prized possession to him because the, he took him uh, a moment to get his autograph that yeah. that i'm all for but uh, it's really hard, you know, autograph collectors, if, be, be honest, right, Drew? Mm-hmm. I think be, being honest, it, it goes a, a long way. Uh, we're, you know, we're all autograph collectors. Some people trade, some people sell, some people just keep them, whatever. But if you're, you're 
collecting autographs that you think you're going to sell and you're going to profit on it, uh, be honest to say, hey, you know, I have a business. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I might, I might sell this, or um, you know, I, I'm keeping one for myself and I'm giving one to my nephew, or whatever it is. But just, just be honest, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the biggest thing is, I mean, the hobby. Just, I mean, you need to, you need to think with the good of the hobby in mind anytime that you're doing anything out there in this. I mean. Right, because we're gonna kill it. We're gonna you're yeah. gonna kill you're gonna kill the hobby, yeah. and it's on cool. it's on it's on its thread right now in terms of uh, people abusing it, and uh, you know the internet's led the, led to that in some instances, and uh, the the dollar figures, right? The mm-hmm. you know twenty years ago these autographs weren't worth much, and now there's potential. I mean, you 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 know you go around and you get autographs from all these guys, and you love getting the autographs, but it's also nice to know that some, you know, you go get an autograph of, of uh, some guy and he becomes a, a superstar and, and you've got his autograph on a minor league card or whatever that, that, that's, that's, that's a, a bonus, I think. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, like you said, my, my friend West puts it this way, he just says, you know, don't kill the golden goose basically. And we've seen so many in Arlington who are just seem just hell bent on doing exactly that. It's like, you have to think with others in mind. It's a hobby. It's a, it's not a competition. And if you end up killing the hobby, no one's going to care what your collection looks like. Right. There's and no I, hobby and I know you've seen people of. push kids out of the way. And yeah, they're just ridiculous. Like, like if there's no hobby to be a part of, then no one's going to care what you're doing in the hobby. So act in a way that's going to keep it active. Right. And we're not, we're not being uh, crunchy, curmudgeons, old man, men here. We want, we, we love this. You know, yeah. that's why Drew and I do this and we love it. And we want to keep to see the hobby, uh, grow and we love more people that are doing it and it's great that people are collecting autographs and they're yeah. really into it and the players uh see it too some of them don't see it that you know if you if if people aren't asking for that auto- autographs and going to their games well they're not going to get they're, they're not going to see their paydays so most of the players uh, appreciate it but I, I mean i can see them saying hey i'm i'm, I'm finished being taken care of and and being abused and uh yeah. taken advantage of so We'll see how it goes. Well, Drew, we have a fun show this week. We um, spoke with Ezra Levine. Ezra Levine is CEO of Collectible.com. That, of course, is the fractional company. We talked to Ezra about what's been going on at Collectible. We also talked to him about what's going on in the hobby. Uh, Ezra is a leader in the in the hobby. He's been uh, doing this for a couple of years now uh, with, with Collectible and get some uh, insight on his thoughts on where the hobby is going. So please, uh, that's coming up later in the show. Next week, we have uh, Tom Zapalas. Tom has written a new book, and we're going to talk to him about his new book as well as his, he has a really uh, good uh, and fun um, video podcast that he does with Rico Petroselli called The Great American Collectibles Show, and that's on every Wednesday. He, he does, they do a new show every Wednesday night. So I'm going to talk to Tom next week about that. This week, we do have Ezra Levine. And Drew, we have all our regular segments as well, right? We do indeed. Of course, we have Baker's Dozen. Where we're going to be talking about all the hobby news from the past week. Fast forward football, where you get to hear our really bad to uh, really average football picks. Uh, corner kicks, Clemente Lisi joining us to talk some soccer collectibles as well. We've got Making the Grade. We'll cover everything in the world of grading cards. Stamp approval, Jeff and I give our two thumbs up to something from the past. We could be just about anything. You'll find out when we get there. The Vern Rap Minute, where we cover any deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, politics, music, movies, anything like that. And, of course, the main reason why we've got the show and why you're tuning in, it's our TTM returns. Well, guys, we'd love to hear from you. That's my favorite thing, honestly. I love getting feedback. I love getting 
emails. I love getting questions. I got love getting show suggestions. Send it to our text line at 978-729-0662. That's 978-729-0662. Or you can email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Why don't you send it, say it twice, Drew, so I can send you a dime. TTMcast at yahoo.com. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. That uh, wraps up all our introductions. We had a, a lot of stuff we're talking about, a lot of important stuff as well. Next up, we're going to go right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Well, Baker's Dozen is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. A lot of things uh, that we want to let you guys know about. First, I want to remind everyone to check out my article on TTMing and autograph tips on sportscollectorsdaily.com. That's sportscollectorsdaily.com. And that posts usually every Tuesday morning. So you make sure you check that out. I have a new art article every week. Also, I'd just like to welcome uh, a new show sponsor. Uh, they are called Drip Shop. Drip Shop Live. They, it is a live online marketplace to buy sports cards. You get they have giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal uh, boxes, singles, and a whole lot more. They uh, You can do it right from your phone or desktop. They offer free shipping, which is also all, always great, right, Drew? Indeed. And they're offering a special. This is just for TTMcast listeners. You get $15 off your first purchase of $20 or more. You go to dripshop.live forward slash invite forward slash TTM. Don't worry if you didn't write it down there. It's, you can go to our website and it will take you right to that uh, link. Uh, $15 off of your first purchase of $20 or more. So that's pretty good. You get into a break for like five bucks basically, or uh, maybe purchase some cards for $5 or uh, get involved in an auction and all sorts of cool stuff. So make sure you check it out. Drip shop live, drip shop live, drip shop dot live forward slash invite forward slash TTM to save $15 off $20 or more. And then lastly, last last plug, guys, and then we'll get right into news. Um, the Lampia family, uh, Jeff and his son, 13-year-old son, Finn, and his 18-year-old daughter, Kinsley, they lost all their cards in the hurricane. They lost their house, their cards, all, a lot, all their clothes, and, and a lot of stuff. So what we're doing is we're trying to um, help them rebuild their collection. Now, Drew, I've gotten, I think, 13 or 14 donations already, and we have probably another 10 that are still still coming so we really appreciate if you've if you've donated to the lampedo family thank you very much they don't have a, a permanent address or you know, a permanent home they're kind of going back and forth between family and friends so uh we are i am taking in um, maybe my wife are taking in all the cards we're gonna uh, and donations we're gonna organize them put them all in a, a nice package for them and then send them off to the lampedo family when they uh have a place to stay a permanent place to stay so what I'm asking is if you have any cards, extra autographs, uh, balls, hats, anything, anything baseball related. These guys, these kids love baseball. They love the uh, the Florida Marlins. His dad, their dad is a, a, a part-time season ticket holder with the Marlins, so they go they go to a lot of Marlins games, and they love going to the park. So uh, 
they've had a tough go. These kids have had a tough go of it. So please, uh, you can go to our website at ttmcast.com. Hit on the button, Lamp your family. You can read about this story. You can uh, listen to my interview with Jeff. We had the interview last week. And you can also find, find out my address to send donations. Really appreciate it. The kids, we're, t- we're sending the kids pictures of all the stuff that, that we get so that they know uh, what they've got coming. Uh, they're really excited. So, guys, if you've, if you've donated, thank you very much. If you haven't donated, please just send, send something to my house. It's 4 Littlewood Road, Wilmington, Mass., 01887. The address is right there on the website. You can go check it out. Please help out the Lampia family and help uh, Finn and Kelsey, Kinsley, I'm sorry, uh, rebuild their collection. Okay, Drew, now we have news. Now yes, news, now news. <laughs> Get some auction news to let you guys know about. The T206 Wagner card, uh, which went for, it's a 1.5 PSA Wagner card, which went for $3.72 million at a recent golden auction. Well, a year and a half ago, it only went for, uh, it went for one point, uh, I'm sorry, it went for uh, what, two point whatever, 2.5 million, right? About 2.2, million. So it went for 2.2 million. So it earned 1.5 million more than it did a year and a half ago. We're talking this T206 Wagner, which is an iconic card. There's only about 60 in existence and it went for $3.72 million. So, I mean, that's a great increase right there. It's a, you know, what, 67% profit for the person who uh, bought it previously. Wow. I know. Look at, watch your seat. Look at your 401k. You're not getting that on the, at the stock market. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Leland Auctions just had an uh, auction close out and a big one in there was the 1954 Bowman Willie Mays. Great card if you've ever seen one. It was a PSA 9, so very highly graded there as well. And uh, $93,000, the final sale price on there, which is great because, I mean, that's not even a maze rookie right there. He had his rookies in what 51, 52 sets right there. Yep. So 54 is like third, fourth year, but I mean, great card PSA nine. You can't really beat that on the condition. I, I doubt there are many, if any tens out there. So $93,000 for that one. That, I think that's his best looking card. I honestly yeah. do. I think in terms of uh, pure aesthetics, I think that's his best looking card. His worst, his worst card is 1972 card. I hate that card. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I love the 72 design, but they did not do a good job on that one. That's I know he's, he, you know, he was obviously he was a, a lot older there and they just didn't, they didn't capture him in his best essence. It was not because the I mean, there's that 73 where he's showing with the Mets, which is just weird as all hell. But I know, but that's not bad. It's actually, it's not true. a bad card. And he's in the yeah. 74 uh, World Series set. They've got a, he's got a picture of that one as well. Yeah. Um, and then most of his other cards are pretty bland, right? They just kind of him standing there now but that that 54 bowman what a what a beautiful card well you know we've had so many uh big home runs this year right uh with, with judge and, and pool holes well pool holes 700th home run ball is going up for auction golden auctions it's going to be starting october 28th it's expected to net six figures they said that his last home run ball which is what 703 i believe I think so is is worth the most but I wouldn't mind having the 700 ball. I'm sure it's going to go for a lot of money. So we'll, we'll let you know what it goes for. It's going to be golden auctions. It's starting October 28th. So that's some show news to let you know about the uh, Chantilly show in Virginia, which is, I'm so jealous. I can't go to the, this show. It's October 21st to the 23rd. It's at the Dallas Expo Center. It is, uh, you can go to csashows.com. Drew, who's signing there? Oh, geez. A whole bunch of really great names there. In the uh, basketball world, you've got uh, Dr. J. Julius Irving is going to be there. Dave Bing, Robert Parrish, football, you've got Ray Lewis and Ozzie Newsom, a couple of Hall of Famers with uh, Baltimore connections right there. 
Cleveland for Newsom, but I'm sure it's because he's Baltimore GM. That's why they put him there. But a few boxers there as well. Mike Tyson, Larry Holmes, and another great football Hall of Famer, Joe Montana, going to be there as well. Yeah, and that's just a few. They This is a big show. I think they're going to have over 300 dealers. Um, uh, you know, I'm not promoting the show. It's just I'm jealous that we're not going to it, Joe. <laughs> yeah. So check it out. The Chantilly Show, October 21st to the 23rd at the C- at csashows.com. And I believe they have mail-ins for, for uh, autographs. So if you want to you meet any of these guys, um, check it out. Got a new collecting app that just uh, hit the market called Ludex. I know uh, Jeff and I always try to promote anything that we can that comes out there when it comes to apps and uh, websites that... Uh, that's because we're geeks. We're, we're technology geeks. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're uh, <laughs> aging tech geeks here. I mean, most of the tech geeks are, you know, the kids and everything. And I'm here like, what's an emoji? As I'm trying to type <laughs> away on my phone there. But it's called Ludex. And it's a uh, it's this uh, app so you can upload, organize, and store your collection through your phone, through your laptop, anything, whatever you can uh, get to get on the internet there with. Uh, and it's got a real-time price guide that uh, goes along with it there. Right now, they cover baseball, football, and basketball cards. It's a free trial for it right now, so go and check that out. After that, it's going to be a nine ninety nine monthly fee, but still, that's very affordable for something that sounds like it's going to be a very versatile tool right there. Yeah, I download, downloaded it the other day. It's pretty cool. Nice. So um, yeah, you know, check it out. I, I, I recommend it. I, I'm not sure if it's worth $10 a month yet because it's still new and they only have basketball, football, and uh, baseball cards, but I think they're working towards getting soccer and hockey cards and some of the other stuff out there. So check out Ludex. Uh, we had some new releases, a lot of new releases this week. I, you know, I think the the uh, companies, the the company now, right? A company, we'll say <laughs> com- company, may, maybe companies are, are trying to get a, bu- a bunch of cards out. So this is this one that I really love. It's a 2002 Topps Archive Baseball, which is great for autographs, for TTMs. It is the, the designs of the, the uh, archive, the 63, 78, and 87, all great cards. So the, the, the new guy, a lot of the new guys and some, some uh, legends in those designs. There's 24 packs of, uh, in a box, eight cards per packs. You get two autos. Uh, the autos are okay. I, I've seen some breaks on it. But it's only $120 uh, for a box of 2022 Topps Archive Baseball. He's cranking out there a National Treasures college football set for 2022. Uh, fairly affordable price, actually, on this one for a National Treasures product. $600 is what you're looking at there on this one. You get eight cards per pack, one pack per box, seven autograph or memorabilia cards in there. So some pretty nice stuff right there. And I'm, I mean, everybody's used to seeing National Treasures up in the thousands. 600 for a box on this. Not too bad. Very good. Also, uh, this week is 2022 Panini Prism NBA, WNBA. Panini Prism WNBA. You get two autos per box. It's 12 cards uh, in, in a pack and 12 packs. Uh, so it's 144 cards for $170. And that, that, that's, that's good TTM fodder. The, the, the women of the WNBA are, are usually great signers and um, might be something to take a look at if you're into basketball. So 2022 Panini Prism WNBA for $170. That's the stuff coming up next week. Bowman Sterling Baseball is going to be hitting the shelves. Got a $300 price tag on that box there, but you're going to get five packs with uh, five cards each. One chrome autograph per box there as well. Yeah, that's a, a really cool one. Also, uh, 2022 Panini National Treasures FIFA Road to the World Cup. So this is National Treasures, which means usually means ching-ching, right? Big yep, bucks. Yep. 
Road to the World Cup. Uh, World Cup is starting uh, November 20th and runs through uh, mid-December. And we're going to have talk to Clemente Lisi about that. And uh, also, so it's a cool stuff. So check that out. 2022 Panini National Treasures World Cup. Uh, Road to the World Cup. You get one pack of 10 cards, eight auto memorabilia for the grand total of Drew. Drum roll. Uh, $3,500. <laughs> yep. Jeez. $3,500. All right, guys. Good luck with that one. Well, that wrapped up Baker's Dozen. We had a lot to talk about. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on this week. What's up next, Drew? That would be fast forward football. So if you uh, you don't care about our football picks, hit that fast forward button. That's right. Hit the fast forward button. But here's some fast forward football for you. Time to hit that button. Fast forward football, guys. Drew and I are making our picks right now. Hit fast forward right now. All right, Drew. Wah, wah, wah. I was one in four. You know, I think I, I think the only game I won was the Patriots. You were three and two last week. Uh, you are now leading three weeks to two weeks. I'm going to have to have a, a great week to at least get you back tied. Uh, I have been, I've had two really bad weeks in a row now. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go first. So, cause, cause I have been, I've been letting you go first and you, you've been kicking my ass. <laughs> so first we have the Patriots. I'm minding the Patriots. With uh, whatever his name is, the the third the third string quarterback Zappy, yeah, Z- Zappy Fever is, is gripping New England. He they're playing the Cleveland Browns. You're Cleveland Browns. Yep, giving they are getting two and a half points. The Browns are giving two and a half points. So I am gonna say I'm gonna go with Cleveland because I don't think the Patriots are any good. Drew, who do you like? That's a bit of a surprise there because, I mean, I have watched the Browns every single week, and uh, that that just, oh, God, they, uh, they've never failed to infuriate me in some way. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to take the Pats in this one. I think uh, just, I just, yeah, I don't trust the Browns. And I've been wrong on every Patriots game so far. So you have. I have to you're you're Patriots all, for, you're all for Patriots. <laughs> yeah, so I have to go with the Patriots on here to hopefully give the Browns a win. All right, there you go. All right, we have the Minnesota Vikings uh, playing at the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins came out going crazy the first two weeks, and then they've just haven't – I don't know what happened to them. They fell apart. So To his uh, injury right. happened to them, I think, is what it yeah, is. Yeah, well, Miami is getting three and a half points at home against the Vikings. Who do you like, Drew? That's a bit of a surprise right there. Um I'm going to have to go with the Vikings, though, still, I think. It's just, I mean, I, like you said, Miami just has not looked that good since two has been out. So let's go take the Vikings. All right. I'll take Miami. All right. All right. Week, the third game, the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know why I picked this game. The Seattle Seahawks at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are giving two and a half points. Seattle had, uh, didn't they score like 40 points or something last week? They, yeah. The, I don't know how they did it with, with Geno Smith as the quarterback, but they're running their they're, uh, Kenny Walker, their rookie running back, looked great. The Cardinals have been kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna. I can't believe I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna take Seattle. All right. Who would you like? I think I'm actually going to agree with you on this one. Take Seattle. It's just uh, the Cardinals. I mean, I've. I've liked the Cardinals because, I mean, they're kind of that lovable loser team a little bit there at times. But lately, the last couple of years, just been like, oh, God, they just, uh, I, 
I don't know what it is about them. I just can't get into them now. I agree. And it's too bad. It's Kyle Lamari is a, a talent, but yeah. they're, they're missing something, right? Yeah. They're just missing something. I'm just opposed to Oklahoma quarterbacks in general. So that's, I mean, part of my uh, reason there, but yeah. <laughs> All right. We got the Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is at Kansas City. Kansas City is getting two and a half points. They, I can't remember the last time that Kansas City was a home team getting points. This yeah. is probably a preview of the AFC Championship, don't you think? I think so. That's just what I was about to say as soon as I saw that on the schedule there. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have to take, I'm going to go with Buffalo in this one. I mean, Kansas City is tough to play against at home there. They're, I mean, not quite to the level of Lambeau there in terms of home field advantage, but yeah, I, I think Buffalo is able to overcome it. All right. I'll take Kansas City because I do think it's a, to- it's a toss up. I, I like Buffalo be- only because they, they, they're going to come in with some revenge, right? They want to, re- they want to show that they're better than Kansas City, but we will, we'll see how that goes. So I will, I'm going to take Kansas City though. And our last game is our Sunday night game. This is a good one. When we, when the, we, we had saw this a while ago. We didn't think it was going to be a good game, but the Dallas Cowboys who have been playing outstanding, their defense is playing really well uh, behind Cooper rush uh, are at the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles are giving six and a half points. Uh, I'm going to take Philly. Drew, who do you like? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I mean, Philly, six and a half, they're giving giving six and a half at home. Just, I mean, they're a good team, though. Here Philly. Okay. All right, Drew. Hopefully I can I can catch you this week. We have a couple of the same, same games, but we do have the, the Patriots will probably come up and screw me, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Okay, guys, welcome back. We're done with football. No more, no more football picks. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you, you, uh, if you stay stuck around for it, thank you very much. We'll hopefully we make you guys some money. We just do this for fun guys. So just, uh, <laughs> it's something Drew and I do just to, just to laugh at each other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to have uh, uh, corner kicks with Clemente Lise. Clemente has written a brand new book called it's the, the FIFA world cup. It's a history. It's a basically a history of the world cup. It's really a great book. He is offering a, um, 30% discount to TTM cast listeners. And uh, I'm going to give you the code. Don't worry if you, if you don't have, you didn't write it down fast enough. It's available on our website at TTMcast.com. The uh, book is FIFA World Cup, Clemente Lise. And if you use this code RLFANDL30, RLFANDL30, that will give you 30% off the book discount. Clemente sent a copy to me and he sent one to Drew. We are, uh, I just started reading it. I'm about, I don't know, 35 pages in it. It's a, it's a good book. It's a, it, you know, I don't know much about the history of the World Cup. So it's really a good book about the history of the World Cup. So we're going to talk to Clemente in uh, Corner Kicks about his new book, as well as about uh, some World Cup collectibles, uh, in his opinion on some of the World Cup, collect- World Cup collectibles that are out. So please enjoy my interview with Clemente Lise. And now it's time for Corner Kicks with Clemente Lisi. Goal! It's time to talk a little World Cup with our World Cup correspondent. I think you're an officially a World Cup uh, and a car- correspondent of the show, Clemente. And I'm talking, of course, yeah. about Clemente Lise. Clemente is, of course, an author of a brand new book. We're going to talk about his new book. We're going to talk about some World Cup collectibles and maybe even talk a little hockey because Clemente is a closet hockey guy. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be back on. Welcome, my friend. 
Thank well, you. you must be uh, like a, a proud parent, proud poppy. Your 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 book is finally finally released. Tell us a little about um. You know, let's first let's tell people the name of the book. It is of right. course the FIFA F I F A World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event, available on Amazon and anywhere books that can be found. And Clemente uh, is just released the book. Clemente, tell us a little about. Why, uh, why you wrote the book and some of the, the uh, trials and tribulations you had writing the book? Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, no. So the book was a two-year project. You know, it was, it was mostly done during the pandemic, which had its ups and downs. You know, the ups were that I had a lot of time to work on it. Uh, downs were, you know, trying to get a hold of former, former players or doing research in libraries. That became a little bit more problematic. So I had to get creative there. So those were some of the ups and downs. Uh, of putting the book together. It's, it's nice to see it out finally. And, you know, I think with the book's release, it feels like the World Cup is, well, it's about a month away now. So it feels I like know. it's really here now. Um, but yeah, the book goes into a lot of detail on uh, the World Cup going back to 1930. A lot of people I know have just started watching the World Cup in the last maybe five, 10 years, you know, 2014 or 2010. And, you know, they don't understand there's a rich history behind it. And when I say they, I mean, mostly people in the United States. I mean, obviously around the world, this has been a big deal for decades now. But I think the advent of the internet and television has made the world a smaller place. And more and more Americans are soccer fans now. So the point of the book was really to go into some detail about the past, you know, accounts of individual games and tournaments. If you love history, there's a lot of history there, a lot of politics that goes behind the World Cup, uh, the finances, you know, FIFA, for example, isn't the most transparent organization on the planet. And we go into that a little bit, into the controversies and the scandals. But then we also go into, you know, the great players like Pele, Diego Maradona, Lionel Messi, and how the World Cup is told through their eyes. What I wanted to do was, a lot of people know what happened. A lot of people watch the games, but a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, I think people don't know about. And I think I wanted to get people sort of, you know, into the games, recalling the biggest moments in the history of the World Cup, but also get them kind of off the field, in the locker room, behind the scenes. And there were a lot of former players who told me stories uh, that I think really make the book exciting and make the book um, um, a, a, a thing that a lot of people, a lot of stories they may not have heard of or seen before. So We're talking to Clemente Lisi about his brand new book. It's FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. Did you have um, support? From FIFA on this, did you talk to anyone about from FIFA? Did they provide you any history or uh, access to any of their records? Yeah, so FIFA is really good about putting a lot of their records online, and which I access through their online library um, and their media portal. But I did not work with them. The the point of this book was really to get away from FIFA or FIFA sort of stamp of approval. There's a lot of books out there that um, are put out by FIFA, and a lot of that is history slash propaganda. And so we were trying to cut, we were trying <laughs> That's to cut, a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to cut through a lot of the propaganda, the FIFA spin on certain events, and not necessarily the outcome of games. I'm talking about some, you know, how the World Cup is awarded, some of the financial wrongdoing that goes on. You know, FIFA kind of whitewashes all that, and, uh, and they do a lot of their self-policing. FIFA is an interesting organization in that it is self-governed. It's in Switzerland. They control the entire game around the world if you want to start a soccer league you need their permission um mls in the united states doesn't exist without permission from fifa it's not like uh the nba or the nhl that operate in sort of in their own vacuum they make their own rules their own you know and they're separate from the international organization that yep. controls basketball or hockey or whatever so in that sense fifa has a big control and a big monopoly that's this is why they were 
up until last year, we're talking about having a World Cup every two years because the, the money train is just too good here. The, the, you know, the gravy is too good. The thing is, if you have the World Cup every two years, you really water down the product. Um, so there's fight back against that. But FIFA is always coming up with these crazy, ridiculous notions of trying to make more money. This is what they're trying to do. They, they're basically printing money. Um, and so in that sense, we wanted to get away, my publisher and I wanted to get away from sort of having any kind of FIFA stamp of approval. Um, so the book is objective. When FIFA did good, it's, it's in there. When they did bad, it's in there. You know, so it's in that sense, it doesn't have a, a FIFA logo on it to, to, to um, a stamp of approval in that sense. Did you have any preconceived notions? You know, when you're writing a book, you're like, okay, this is kind of, this is the kind of the path I want to go on. This is what I'm trying to, uh, you know, the outline of what I want to do. Did, did the, uh, your path in, in writing the book change as you were doing your research and as you started writing? Yeah, first of all, you know, I could have focused on maybe one World Cup or a series of World Cups. You know, I will admit doing 18 and a preview of the next one is a, a pretty ambitious project. And, yep. I, you know, the book could have been, I mean, the book's at 300 and something pages already. It could have been twice that. Nobody wants that book. But um, so it was hard to cut. I had to cut things out and, and sort of highlight the, the, the more important things. Um, but it was a, a very ambitious project. And the things I really wanted to get into were, you know, the, the first half of the book, these are all World Cups that occurred prior to my lifetime, the lifetime of many, many people. So I had to do research in a way like an academic read old newspapers, go into archives and try to recreate those tournaments. Then you have the ones from my childhood, you know, 1986 onward that I have memories of and I wanted to sort of focus on things that stuck out to me the most. And in the last three World Cups, 2010 South Africa, 2014 Brazil, and 2018 in Russia, I, I attended in person and I did a lot of reporting on the ground there. And so you'll see, I think if you read the book cover to cover, that you'll see sort of a, a change of tone I, what I learned a lot about was I did a lot of reporting on the 1978 World Cup, which was held in Argentina. If people recall, Argentina was run by a dictatorship at the time. And, you know, just the idea of, of reading testimony from people who had been prisoners, political prisoners, who were basically within earshot of the stadium, where they could hear, you know, people cheering in the stadium while maybe a mile away they were locked in a prison cell. I mean, that, some of that stuff was really chilling to read and to research. Um, so yeah, I mean, going back to 1934, Italy hosted the World Cup. Mussolini was the dictator of Italy. Um, if you recall, 1936 Berlin Olympics, Hitler was yep. in charge. So it's not unusual for dictators to want to have host the World Cup like the Olympics as a propaganda tool. So getting into a lot of that was also interesting. And that's all stuff off the field. That's not has nothing to do with scoring goals or any of that stuff that we're all sort of used to watching on TV. So it was trying to get behind the scenes a little bit. Um, and it's very political in some senses. And, um, you know, so it's a little bit for everybody. If you love politics and history, it's something for you. If you love soccer, of course, and sports in general, it's there for you. And, and you know, we spend a lot of time in the middle of the book talking about Pele, who played at um, four World Cups, won five World Cups, won three of them. You know, he was he was probably one of the best he's players. Tom, he's the Tom Brady of soccer, right? He's a Tom Brady of soccer. So it's funny. <laughs> what I always say to people is, yeah, maybe, and maybe maybe Diego Maradona is a Joe Montana, you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, but the arguments are who's the better player? Is it Pele or Diego Maradona? I always tell people, if you ask most Argentines, they'll tell you it's Diego Maradona. And if you ask most Brazilians, they'll tell you it's Pele, but then they'll whisper to you, hey, it's really Maradona. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting, you know, th those goat arguments, this book gets into that a little bit, but the great thing about those arguments is nobody can ever win them. We can just keep doing it, you know. Right. It keeps us, it keeps us going. We're talking to Clemente Lise. Clemente is our World Cup 
soccer correspondent. We talk to him every month. We're going to talk to him more regularly in November when the World Cup starts in uh, on the November 20th, I believe is Correct. the first day of the World Cup. He has written a brand new book. It's called FIFA World Cup, the history of the planet's biggest sporting event. It is available on Amazon. Clemente, is it be in uh, bookstores as well, like Barnes & Noble? Yeah. So yeah, right now it's, yeah, it's everywhere. It's in Barnes and Nobles. If they don't have it, you can request it. It's on um, Amazon. It's been there for a while now in pre-sale. Now it's, it's still there. And then you can go to my publisher, Roman.com and you could order there. And if you um, use a special code that we've given out before, I can give it to you again. It's R-L-F-A-N-D-F-30. You get a 30% discount and that's through next year. So um listeners should definitely if they want a 30 percent discount they should go there um, yeah guys the, the discount is on our website on ttmcast.com you can it's, it's there so if you miss it but i'll give it again it's r l f a n d f 30 and you get 30 percent off the discount of the book if you buy the book and you want to get it signed by clemente i'm sure we can make arrangements to do that as well he is he'll, he'll certainly sign the book it's uh, it's very exciting uh you know, two years in the making. And, uh, you know, it's it's a subject that a lot of people know a little about, but I'm sure you get edu- educated on the World, FIFA World Cup. And, and it's, I'm really excited uh, for the World Cup coming up. So uh, I congratulate you on getting it done. Uh, you know, you said you, you talked to some former players, uh, World Cup players. Who, who did you speak with? And what were some of their... Um, there are things that they shared with you some stories yeah so i have some interesting stories i mean i've spoken to some of them during the course of doing my reporting over the last 10 years Uh, for example uh italy's uh, defender paolo maldini is one of the best defenders in in, in italian history but also in world cup history it was an interesting anecdote he you know they um they played argentina in the 1990 world cup semifinals, which took place in naples italy uh what people don't also may remember is that diego maradona played for the local team napoli and so on the eve of that tournament, uh, the eve of the tournament, but eve, eve of that game specifically, Maradona basically called out the crowd and said, you know, you guys, um, you know, cheer for me all year round on the club level. You should be cheering for me here. And he got into a little bit of Italian politics between North and South, that kind of thing. Yep. And at that point, Italy had played all their games in Rome and uh, the crowd was really behind them. And they went, when they got to Naples, the crowd was about 50-50. And so, and Italy ended up losing on penalty kicks and Argentina ended up going to the final and West Germany won the tournament there. Tells you a little bit of how old the tournament is. You know, we still had a West Germany at the time. Um, but um, Maldini gets into a little bit of the backstory behind that. You know, the, 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 some of the interesting things of reaching out to former players is a lot of former players are on Facebook. And so it was easy for me to kind of reach out to them. There were some language barrier issues with some of them. Some of them are Brazilian or German, didn't speak English. So it was a little bit more complicated uh, to get to them through their agents or their publicists. The other issue, too, was a lot of former players. I'm not going to name any here. They wanted to be paid to speak to me. Uh, and I had made it really clear to them that, you know, I'm a journalist. I'm approaching this book as a journalist and we don't pay for interviews. And so it gets a little bit, you know, I, I told a couple of friends that and they said, you know, I think a lot of these former players have gone on bad times. They're looking for income. And I think they, you know, when they do documentaries, they tend to maybe get paid or get a fee. And I wasn't in the uh, business of paying anybody for interviews because the truth is journalistically, once you pay someone to do an interview, they can tell you whatever you want to hear. And so that was part of it too. So I didn't get to everybody, obviously, because some people were requesting a fee and uh, that wasn't happening. So, well, guys, I'm looking forward to reading the book. And I, I think we might have one or two books to give away uh, well, well, pretty soon. So, guys, check it out. It is called FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. 
It's available on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. And you guys can get 30% off discount if you uh, order it. Use this code. It's R-L-F-A-N-D-F-30. R-L-F-A-N-D-F-30. Don't worry about having to rewind. It's available on our website as well. Make sure you check that out. Clemente, I wish you the best of the luck of the book. Let's Thank talk you. a little collectibles, uh, World Cup collectibles. I know uh, Panini had the uh, Mosaic cards. The, the Road to the World Cup just came out uh, last week. Have you had a chance to, to get any of those? And what's your thought on, on uh, that as, as a collectible set? I hate to burst people's bubble here. And you seem very excited about it. And people are excited. But I give this set a, a big red card. I just think it's... <laughs> you know, I just think it's um, First of all, it's a little late to the game, and I understand the reasons why supply chain, everything else. The, the 2021-22 mosaic, you know, Road to the World Cup. Road to the World Cup is sort of Panini's way of implying that it's during the qualification process. So 204 teams try to qualify for the World Cup, only 32 spots are available. This set probably should have came out six months ago, right? The World Cup qualifying has been over a long time. We're basically on the eve of the World Cup. This would have been nice to have seen maybe in the spring or even the summer. Um, I know it retails for $350. You get 20 parallels, 20 inserts, all that good stuff. If you love that stuff, it's great. But I've seen LCSs around me in New York selling it for $280. And I've seen that eBay this week as for as little as $150, which tells me that it's, it's been out for two weeks and that it's not selling. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it includes teams, for example, that did not qualify for the World Cup. They're, Canada is not in the set. African teams are not in the set, you know, um, and there really is just two big autograph chases here, which is Pele and Maradona, which are interesting because Pele has been retired for about, you know, 40 years now. And Diego Maradona passed away two years ago. So it gives me also the impression that they have a lot of Pele and Maradona autographs, you know, sticker autos lying yep. around and they want to kind of put them in this set to make the set more appealing. Now, great, go out and buy a box. Maybe you'll get one of those. It's like a lottery ticket, but I, I'm just not a big fan of it. I would save my money. November 2nd is the Panini World Cup set the prism set that's the one we're all talking about we finally have a date around that and i think that's the that's where you should spend your money it's i've heard that it may retail between 250 and 300 i think it's going to sell for a lot more on the secondary market that is the set that you want with the players at the world cup with uh, the potential rookies that are in there i haven't seen a checklist yet but that's where you should spend your money i mean if you want to go out and buy um i don't know if they're blasters or, or individual packs and you can buy individual packs but to spend three fifty on a retail box, I think, is a little steep. Yeah, and I think the the prism is going to uh, be out there. I think they're going to have. There's going to be a lot of cards, a lot of availability on those. That's the other thing too. I, th I think they realize in 2014, but mostly in 2018, that the prism World Cup set is really popular, and I think they're going to run the presses on this. So what you're going to be looking for in that sense is inserts or parallels that are numbered. If you can get a rookie parallel, that's going to be worth more than the base. Though so, you know my theory about base cards. I love base cards. I, yep. I, I collect the whole set. So I'm going I to, do too. I'm going to chase the whole set. Look, if I pull a parallel, that's great. But I'm not going to be seeking that out specifically. So, And trust me, even in 2018 when Kylian Mbappe of France was the rookie, that base card slab is worth good money. Um, so so don't, don't, don't give away the base cards. Don't throw them out. I mean, this is a set where every card will be worth something to depending on how you collect. So. Have you seen the checklist for, for the present? I have not yet. I'm not sure if it's out yet. I haven't seen it. But when that checklist comes out, which if November 2nd is the date, that, that list should be Yeah, any out. day so now. Any day, any day or week now. And I think people are going to scour that list and, and get really excited about the potential for autographs, but also just to see who's in it. Because like the sticker book, they have to sort of 
guess or figure out who's going to be on the rosters. And, and so yeah. I think, you know, and not every player at the World Cup is going to get a card, obviously, because otherwise you'd have 700 cards in the set. But you're going to have, you know, many of the major players. So, and you know, um, but for now, I, I would spend, I've been spending my money on the stickers. You know, I know we talked about that last month. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how are you doing on your stickers? Yeah, you so it's a 600-plus sticker set. I'm 121 away from finishing it. Just oh, that's so people, awesome. Yeah, so just so people know, to get to 121 to go, I had to buy about six boxes. So $60 a pop, you know, you do the math. So, <laughs> so after giving you a long lecture about how you shouldn't waste your money on a mosaic, I spent mine on stickers. So everyone's got their own vice, right? But um, Now, but how, my, do you do, how do you store them? Do you keep them in, in uh, pages, you know, in sheets, plastic sheets, or do you? No, I, I mean, I, I, I take the stickers out and put them in the book because that's what I want to do. Those, those are the white border based ones. Now, yep. we, as you know, there are red ones and blue ones and gold ones and all those other ones. And those I'm saving, right? And if I pull a good one, I'm putting them in sleeves and hoping that when the World Cup rolls around, those individual stickers will grow in price from 5 or $10 to maybe $50, depending on, you know, depending on what the, um, and we'll talk about that next month, I'm sure, when yep. the World Cup is here. And you have prices going up and down like day trading. And I think that that's the goal here is to try to save some of that stuff on the secondary market for then, because I think that that's when you'll see increases in prices. I think that's when you have to cash out, you know, November, December. Have you seen availability increase? I, I, I think I've seen more online that, you know, when, when we last spoke, there was a real, it was kind of a shortage. You know, most of the initial print run kind of went pretty quickly, including the books. But it seems like that there's the books are available now and you can you can get boxes. Is that true? Yeah, my, my daughter was at a Columbus uh, Day weekend tournament in uh, upstate New York and they were giving out free albums there um, to get the kids excited about it. My local Walgreens has more albums and more stickers. And they actually have the whole box now for $60. You can buy the whole box as opposed to individual packs, which are going mm -hmm. for $2. So no, the availability has gone up. But I know I've seen reports around the world, particularly Latin America and Argentina, there's been a shortage there. People are making runs on stores and the government had to get involved. You know, only in Argentina is this like a government matter. But, you know, but in other parts of the world, soccer is this big a deal where a shortage of stickers becomes like a, a national dilemma. Right. We, we don't have that dilemma here. I still think it's very niche in the United States, but I do see boxes at my local CVS and Walgreens. And every time I go, there's fewer and fewer stickers. So someone is buying them. It's not just me. So I, I do think they're very popular among kids, but I think adults, too. I mean, I know a lot of people that I know that whose parents are from other countries and they did it growing up and now their kids are doing it here. So it's definitely a multi-generational thing, the stickers, which I think is really cool. As, uh, as we get into approach world cup in like um, what, four, four or five weeks now, right. is there any last minute um, controversies or, or roster changes guys that, that um, maybe got hurt or any, you know, any, anything that people should be know about? Yeah. No one's really hurt now but you know you have teams around the world teams in europe that are playing and i think a lot of the national team coaches are asking the club teams look can you just rest these guys as we get closer to november because someone breaks an ankle now they're going to miss the world cup and that yeah. can totally throw into jeopardy everything and, you know the world cup relies on stars you need a, a messi a ronaldo these guys need to be there it helps with star power um so i think a lot of club teams are going to start resting players the controversy i would say with the u.s national team you know, rosters have been enlarged to 26 because of the pandemic and a longer bench. Um, but the truth is, there's still a couple of players that, you know, this is the argument with every World Cup, which players should be on the team, which ones shouldn't, which players are on the bubble. The truth is that the national teams are running away that it's not an all-star team. You, know, you don't get to vote who gets on the team. The national team coach makes the choices. 
And there's always controversy around who's going, who's not going, who's the starter, who's not. And so that is happening, I think, at all levels around the world in smaller ways. Um, in the United States, the argument is there's a couple of players that are not necessarily booked their plane ticket yet, I think, because they're sort of on the fence. And I've talked about this in the past. I think national team coaches like to go with the players that got them there. Right, and that they some, know. Yeah, that they know. If, if a player just in the last two, three months has a great season, do you bring that guy in and maybe disrupt the chemistry or, or disrupt your system of play? You know, and that's the kind of the, the issue. Fans don't get that. Fans want to see the best players on the team. I get it. But often you don't bring your best players. You bring the players that have been with you for the two and a half years or in some cases four year journey to get to the World Cup. So are there controversies? No. But when the rosters are released in a few weeks, then you'll see the controversy because everyone's going to look on that list and go, this guy didn't make it. Why? And then Twitter will blow up depending on who that may be. And this happened in 2014. Landon Donovan, who's probably the greatest American soccer player in history, did not make the World Cup team. And that was a shock. Yeah. Right. And that became a big talking point. Of course, the U.S. got to the round of 16 and had a pretty decent World Cup without him. But that's going to happen, whether it's with the U.S. team or with Canada or with some other team around the world. Do you think the U.S. team is going to be an aggressive type team or you think it's going to be more a defensive type team? You know, I'm guessing like, you know, in, in hockey, you know, the New, New Jersey Devils are always historically a defensive team and they're, they're, they're hanging back. But like the Red Wings are, you know, skating up and down the, the, the rink trying to score goals and don't really care about defense. What, what type of uh, game do you think the U.S. team is going to play? Yeah, the U.S. plays an interesting formation. I think a lot of people are upset with the U.S. because the coach, Greg Berhalter, is really married to the formation and wants – he wants to put in the players that work with his system. He's he's not willing to bend his system to for to, you know to make another player join the team or or make the lineup. And so the U.S. recently played two friendlies. They played Japan and Saudi Arabia. They lost to Japan 1-0. They tied Saudi Arabia. It was pretty much two performances that were pretty dismal, and people were really kind of like, "Uh oh, now what do we do?" Because those were the final two preparation games before the World Cup. Yep. Because given that the World Cup is happening in the middle of November, it's hard to prep for it. When it happens in June, you have like a three-week training camp. That, that makes it easier. So a lot of people saw those games and said, uh-oh, is the U.S. going to be, you know, one of those teams that gets dumped out of the first round? I don't think so. The United States is one of the youngest teams at the tournament. But I think in that sense, experience doesn't matter at the World Cup. I think if you can Yeah, so manage, they're going to have they're going to have legs, right? They'll have, yeah, they'll have legs. And, you know, you're going to be playing Qatar, which is still pretty hot in November. It's in the 80s and 90s. You know, it'll be like playing in L.A., you know, in October. But, you know, I think the youth will serve them well. They're in a group with England. England is a favorite to win that group, obviously. But England has had a pretty lousy string of games recently, which is good if you're a U.S. fan. You know, so but the thing is, when you get to the World Cup, everyone ups their game. Right. Suddenly everyone becomes is up for the challenge. Right. right. It's so like I playoff think, hockey, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you, there's very little room for error. You know, percentage-wise, if you lose your first game in the opening round, qualifying is hard. It's the top two from each group qualify. I think the U.S. will finish either one or two and get to this round of 16, which is mm -hmm. a knockout stage. At that point, anything can happen, but that's where the U.S. has kind of had a lot of bad luck where they've been eliminated in the round of 16. If they can get to the quarterfinals, I think for the U.S., that's like winning the World Cup for this team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be – it's a good uh, thing for the sport, right, if the U.S. Just to, if the U.S. can at least make the 16, uh, in terms of being when it's being played, you know, we're, we're going to be deep into football and, you know, basketball starting. There's a lot of uh, they're competing for a lot of eyeballs, right? Sports eyeballs. So it'll be right. interesting to see how it plays. But, um, you know, TV networks have been certainly pr promoting it. And I think it's the, the games are going to be available. So that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, no, there's been a, you know, Fox is Fox and Fox sports will be showing the world cup, but they also have the NFL license. And I think they're doing a lot of cross promotion. A lot of the world cup games will be at 5.00 AM, 7.00 AM, 9.00 AM. So they're in the morning, kind of like that, you know, the giants Packers game from Wembley, yep. it'll be a morning thing. And then the afternoon will be, you know, NFL football. You know, the big game for me is going to be England, USA on black Friday, people are going to be home, you know? So if your wife wants to take you shopping, tell her you're sick. <laughs> um, and, you know, and you watch the U.S. play England. That's going to be a great game. And it's on a day where the whole country is home. I mean, it's a day off and it won't be in, it won't be competing with the NFL, which plays on Thanksgiving. So I think that that kind of stuff is going to get a lot of good ratings. I, I, I don't think it's going to hurt the World Cup. I think Fox will be really good about cross promoting um, the NFL, college sports yep. and and the World Cup. I agree. Well, thank you. We're talking with Clemente Lise. Clemente is talking is our uh, World Cup correspondent. We talk about uh, soccer, about soccer collectibles and, and the such. And Clemente has a brand new book out. Make sure you check it out. It's called FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, his publisher, which is Rowan, uh, Roman.com, R-O-W-M-A-N.com. You can get save 30 percent off the, the book which is great uh, all you have to do is use the code rlfandf30 rlfandf30 the code is available on our website check it out clemente thank you we will talk to you next month when world cup is uh up and running i'm sure you're not going to get any sleep for the next the the six weeks of world cup. how long is the world cup but like six weeks right the world cup is 30 days yeah yeah 30 it's, days it's going to be 30 days of people are not going to be able to find me I'll, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be in front of just so your listeners know i'll be in front of a tv for most of it and then the final week of the world cup i will be in qatar so oh that is awesome so we will yeah. we will touch base with clemente during the world cup based on his availability and uh if you have any questions for clemente just send them to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com and uh we we love talking world cup it's very educational I'm, I'm excited about the world cup this year i know nothing about it but uh i do enjoy watching the game so thank you clemente best of luck with the book and we will talk to you next month thank you jeff drew clemente knows more about soccer in the world cup than anyone i know yeah. and it, it's great to get his, his opinion uh, remember you can get 30 percent off his new book which is the uh, fifa world cup the history of the world cup so make sure you check that out it's available on amazon and uh, anywhere uh, books are sold including barnes and nobles so make sure you check that out make sure you use the code r l f a n d l 30 to get 30 percent off if you buy them online drew next up is making the grade Making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Making the Grade is the summary of what's been going on in the grading community. I just want to remind everyone that uh, our friends at CSG are having a sale, an October sale. They're giving 20% off all grading services. You go to uh, csgcards.com. They have been, they're reopened for, uh, they, for the hurricane. They're their uh, facilities did not get any harm. Their their uh, people got through it okay. So we're, we're glad to see that they're reopened for the hurricane. Make sure you check it out, csgcards.com. They have 20% off all grading for the month of October. We've been talking a lot about Arena Club lately, new uh, new company on the, on the scene there in grading. They're now offering a $10 off, $50 in grading at their website, arenaclub.com. Use the promo code TTMCAST to get that. But you may remember they're the one that's uh, they've got Derek Jeter on hand as one of the backers there for it. So some uh, 
instant credibility right there in the baseball world, getting him on board. So definitely interested in seeing what they do. But yeah, $10 off, $50 on grading. TTMcast is the promo code at arenaclub.com. And now really is the time to, if, if you've been hanging out on the sidelines, not getting your cards graded, uh, now is the time because all the companies uh, have some type of promotion going on. Um, so, you know, we, we, Drew likes Beckett. I like CSG. Uh, there's also other new companies out there, including, you know, PSA is the, the, the 2000 pound gorilla, right? 10,000 pound gorilla in the yeah. hobby, but they're, they're a great company as well. Um, we're not recommending one over the other. We're just saying, uh, if you're thinking about grading, uh, now's the time because there's so much, uh, so many sales going on and most of the companies are offering discounts, uh, take advantage of it while you can. Well, Drew, that wraps up making the grade. Next up is the TTM cast stamp of approval. That was my radio voice. Did you like that one? Nice. Nice. Well done. <laughs> I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval. Introducing Drip Shop Live, a live online marketplace of sports cards and products from your favorite sellers. Discover giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal boxes, singles, and more right from your phone or desktop. On Drip Shop Live, you'll find hundreds of sellers live all the time. Give Drip Shop Live a try. For a limited time, save $15 off your first purchase of $20 or more. Try finding another break or card box that's that affordable. And shipping is always free on Drip Shop Live. Go to dripshop.live slash invite slash TTM or find the link in our description to get this exclusive offer. TTM cast stamp of approval. Drew, why don't you go in and do your stamp of approval and then I'll do mine. Mine's really a simple one. All right. Yeah. So um, a lot of people know that I follow a lot of Australian football, both the men's and women's leagues. And uh, my stamp of approval is for Jenna Bruton. She is a player for the uh, North Melbourne Kangaroos, my favorite team, probably my favorite player out there. She's like this little tiny midfielder who just goes up and kicks ass out there. I mean, I've seen, she's like five foot three and I've seen her tackle players twice her size, like hard tackles on them. It's like, first time I saw them, I'm like, I'm sorry, who was that just did this? Okay, <laughs> great. But um, big congratulations to her. She just played her 50th game in the AFLW, which right now is a major milestone for that league. I mean, I think the, the most anybody has played so far is 60 games. So being able to hit the 50 game mark right there, that is great for her, great for the game to be able to, you know, have players that are sticking around for the entire, uh, the entirety of the league basically there. But uh, I posted up some, uh, I made a couple of custom cards of her and another player, Tilly Lucas Rod, who played her 50th game recently as well. Put those up on Twitter off of the, uh, 87, 88 Pacific soccer design. So got put those out there. I got some feedback on them as well. So that's always fun to do. Yeah. And, and I know we, we talked about this, that, that um, Drew hasn't been posting as much of his customs because um, people are they're stealing them. They're taking them and, and, and usurping them for their own, their own use, I guess. Yeah. It's been, uh, if you, I mean, what really sucks is when you look on eBay, you can sometimes find people stealing other people's designs, printing them actually on cards and selling them on eBay, which is like the biggest uh, kind of scumbag move, I think, out of anything yeah. that you can really do in the uh, custom card creating stuff. But yeah, I made this one of uh, Corey Snyder, my favorite baseball player ever. And uh, just got uh, kind of bored one day. I made this because uh, he had two cards in 91 tops. He had his base card with the Indians, trade card with the Blue Jays. But in between there, that season, he didn't play for the Indians that year. He got traded to the White Sox before the season. But there was never a White Sox card made of him. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to take the 91 Tops design, make a, you know, 91 Tops uh, White Sox card. So I put on a couple of uh, custom card groups and said, hey, yeah, check this out. Made this one and a couple others. Well, a few weeks later, I saw some dude had uh, sent to Corey Snyder and gotten that 
91 tops that I made autographed. And I'm like, the hell's the deal here, dude? No, I didn't say you could do that. And he's like, oh, well, I thought if you were posting on here, there was free for anyone to use. I'm like, no, screw you, dude. Get the hell out of my group now. So I had to kick him out of the TTM autographs group. And I was uh, running that one still. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it really sucks. So for a while, there's a long time where I've made stuff and never posted any of it. Or I'll post something, put a big watermark over it says, you know, property of a DFW grapher or something like that to make sure no one could print it or anything like that. But it sucks because, I mean, yeah, that's I do it because I enjoy doing it. I don't do it for people to go profiting off of it. And it's very easy to do, unfortunately. So yeah, there's a lot that I don't post, but on this one, it's like, all right, yeah, I'll go ahead and post that. If somebody really wants to use this one and get an AFLW player's autograph on it, by all means, go right ahead. I'll let you go ahead and, you know, grab that one there. Cause it's, these ones just fun to make. And the players I think over there really seem to appreciate a lot more because card collecting isn't as big in Australia as it is in the U S yeah. They put out some, you know, AFL sets every year, but even like the AFLW players, they pick like maybe, between like one and three players from each team and make a card of them as like a special insert and stuff. Yeah. It's like, hey, select, uh, make make a full set of these of this. I would totally buy it if you did. So, yeah. But well, yeah, that stamp was, approval, that, 50 games for a Jenna Bruton. I would say that's Drew's uh, TTM cast stamp approval and disapproval. Gonna, yes, exactly. Right? And disapproval. <laughs> yes. Well, my, my uh, stamp approval is uh, food related. We are in... Uh, October. We've got a couple months, couple weeks until Halloween, and this is kind of a this is a Halloween candy. Um, and it, we're not talking about a Reese's or Snickers or uh, any of the the good the good chocolatey stuff. I'm talking about candy corn, candy corn. A simple, simple treat. You're you're, you're approving of that. Most of the time, I see that people are like, "Oh my god, that's I know." Terrible. I I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like candy corn. You just, it's like a handful of sugar and you pop a couple in, you don't get messy. Uh, I like eating them by the different flavors, like the, the colors. I eat the white first, then, then the orange, then the yellow. And I just like candy corn. I'm a big fan of candy corn. Now there is bad candy corn out there, but the usually uh, you can't mess up candy corn. So I am going to give my TTM stamp approval. Yes. To candy corn. Yes. I'm an old guy. Yes, I, it's like I, I feel like I'm uh, giving a sample with rock candy or something. But <laughs> so candy you mentioned corn the yellow. Is my TTM cast stamp of approval for the week. You mentioned the yellow there. Do you go for the other colors and flavors all the time? They've got the brown ones, no, of course. They've got no, a few other no, ones. No, no, no. I just go for right. the, the standard yellow, white, and uh, orange one. That's the Even one. That's the one I, I don't like the one that it has that uh, has a little chocolate taste to it. I don't. That's not what I'm true. That's not what I'm shooting for for the candy corn, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that wraps up TTM cast sample approved for the week. Next up is the burn rat minute. Well, the Burn Rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Burn Rap, who passed away uh, prior to me sending out a TTM request. And we kind of do this as a service to our fellow TTMers. Let them know who passed away in the world of sports and celebrity. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people this week, so we will run it down. Uh, first, we lost yesterday, actually, uh, Hall of Fame pitcher Bruce Suter. Bruce Suter, I believe he had cancer, right? He passed away with, from There's cancer. some illness I had heard that he recently had had, yeah. Yeah, Brewster, of course, uh, played for the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Braves. He was a six-time All-Star from 1976 to 1988. He is a Hall of Famer. He has over 300 saves. 
and uh he was he he was the guy he was the guy on uh, all three of those teams he was the, the closer he uh signed a uh, little ttm uh, on and off during his career that post career but he was a, he was always he, he was on many he did many signings so he was a, a pretty big signer bruce Suter was 69 years old he's also the only member of the hall of fame never to have started a major league game that's interesting Somehow. yeah never never start a single one um, over on the football side of things, Bill Whitaker died this week. He was a defensive back, played for the Packers and the Cardinals from uh, 1981 to 84. Not much of a TTMer did uh, one, it looks like, from uh, what we were able to find in there, but uh, Bill Whitaker was 62 years old. Yeah, we lost Robert Pennywell. Robert Pennywell was linebacker for the Falcons from 77 to 1980. He also went and played with the USFL in the Michigan Panthers from 1983 to 84. He was he signed a few TTMs, but wasn't really a big TTM. Uh, Robert Pennywell was 67 years old. Uh, we also lost from the AFL uh, John John Bittenham. Is it Bittenham? John Bittenham. Brittenham. There we go. I'm a little blurry. Blurring in the eyes right now. I'm just waking up still. But he was a Chargers quarterback. Uh, he played uh, 14 games in 1968. Another one who didn't do a whole lot of TTM. You saw about uh, two responses from him, but uh, he was 78 years old. Very good. We're going to have to get Drew some magnifying glasses. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> we lost Luke Jackson. Luke Jackson was an NBA forward. He played eight years with the uh, 76ers. From 1964 to 1972, we played 522 games in the NBA. He also won a gold medal in the 1964 Olympics. Luke uh, Jackson was 80 years old. Uh, we lost Dick Ellsworth this week, longtime pitcher for several teams. He was the Cubs, Phillies, Red Sox, Indians, and Brewers. Started in 1958, hung him up in 1971, so well over 10 years, almost 15 years there out of him. 115 games won in his career. He was also an excellent TTMer over the years. Uh, Dick Ellsworth was 82 years old. We lost uh, Joe Crozier. He was a defenseman, and he also uh, coached for Buffalo Sabres, the uh, Vancouver Blazers, and the Calgary Cowboys in the WHA. He was a, a very good TTMer. Joe was 93 years old. Uh, lost a more recent guy from the NFL, Tyrone Davis. He played tight end for the Jets and the Packers. Eight seasons for him from 1995 to 2002, so definitely right in my wheelhouse of uh, – the, of that era of football. He was not a TTMer at all. He was 50 years old. We lost Joe Roberts. Joe Roberts played for the Kentucky Colonels in the ABA from 1960 to 1968. Uh, he was not a TTMer. He passed away. He was 86 years old. We also lost uh, Frank Uso. Frank was a tackle for the Giants, Vikings, and Raiders. Spent about nine, uh, eight, nine years there in the NFL, 1958 to 66. Excellent TTMer there as well. But uh, Frank was 86 years old. We lost another former ABA, uh, Julian Howard. Julian played for the Denver Rockets from 1967 to 1972. He started at the University of Tulsa. Julian Howard was 79 years old. Over in the acting world, uh, Robbie Coltrane died this week. Uh, anybody who's a big fan of the Harry Potter movies would know him as playing Hagrid during that whole series. He was 72 years old. Yeah, he was Scottish, I think, right? I think so, yeah. We lost uh, Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury was a great TTMer. Uh, I, I got his, her autograph on a picture for my son. She played uh, Mrs. Potts uh, in uh, Beauty and the Beast. And she, of course, was in Murder, She Wrote. She won many uh, Grammys and Tonys. She was a, a big uh, star on Broadway uh, for most for a lot of her life. Uh, Angela Lansbury was 96 years old. 
We also lost uh, comedian Judy Tenuta this week. Uh, she was big in the 80s, if I remember right, especially in the comedy world on into the 90s. Married to another comedian, Emo Phillips, for a brief time as well. I know Emo was uh, posing some tributes to her and favorite stories about her here recently. Uh, Judy Tenuta was 72 years old. Well, thankfully, Drew, that wraps up the Vern Rap Minute. We had a lot, a lot of people pass away this week. Our condolences simply go out to friends and family. We are sorry for your loss. Next up, we look at our returns, our TTM returns for the week. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. Drew, yeah, I got a bunch, but why don't you go first? Because uh, yours is going to be pretty quick this week. Yeah, I mean, I've only had one and well, it came in yesterday and I never ran down to the mailbox. And also, it's still waiting there for me here uh, today. So I'm going to go and grab that later. But uh, yeah, I believe it is going to be Bella Caroli, the former uh, gymnastics coach that's uh, in there. I mailed to him a while back and it looks like that's uh, from the postmark from my notes and everything. I'm pretty sure that's who it is. It's coming in there, but he's an excellent CTMer, So I've been kind of waiting for that one to get back to me and it looks like it's there waiting. So I'll probably talk more about that next week once I know for certain if it's him or not, but yeah, I just, I mean, I haven't been mailing out a whole ton. Um, in-person stuff is over for better, or for worse for the year. So I uh, guess I better just uh, jump back on the, uh, jump back on the uh, Pony Express there and uh, start mailing a few more out here. I've got a, a small stack here that I'm going to hopefully be sending off and another list of guys I need to pull stuff for. So hopefully be getting on that here in uh, October, November. All right. We won't scold you because you get more IP autographs than anyone I know. Over I, a thousand I had, this a, year, I had so, a baker's yeah. dozen this week. I got 13 returns, which is nice. Uh, we'll run run down quickly. I got Michael Ray Richardson, who was, of course, a, a guard uh, for a bunch of teams, including the New York Nets. And he signed his 1981-82 uh, tops card for me um, in a nice black sharpie. And that, that came back in uh, about a week. I got this. is This is one that I got thanks to Drew. Vaclav uh, uh, Nedomansky, right? Oh, black, yeah. He played uh, was a. Hockey Hall of Fame. He got in, uh, entered in the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2019. He played for the Red Wings, the Rangers, and the St. Louis Blues, I think. Um, and he was a, a Czechoslovakian. He played for many years in Czechoslovakia. He also played in the WHA as well. Uh, he signed it in a couple of weeks and did not require a donation, which is nice anytime you can get a, a, a Hall of Famer signed, which is kind of cool. So uh, Valkov Nedermansky. On his, I got him on his uh, 1979-80 tops card. That's the, uh, the NHL rookie card then. Yeah. <laughs> I got Ken uh, Jenkins, who was a running back and kick returner for the Washington Redskins. He signed his name and number on his 1987 tops card. Took a couple weeks. This one's kind of cool. Uh, this is a tops triple thread, and I'll hold it up for you so you can see it, Drew. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Napoli. Oh, yeah. I got this at the national for just a, uh, a couple dollars. It's, it was, it's a uh, triple threads card since game used bat. And I sent it off to Napoli uh, care of the Cubs. He's a third base coach for the Cubs and he signed it for me. And I got it back in about a month. I got Pat Dodson. Remember Pat Dodson? He, yeah, you do. Okay. Well, he played for the uh, Red Sox. He was a, uh, a, supposed to be a powering hitter first power, power, power hitting first baseman. From the Red Sox. Well, he signed his 1987 tops card for me. It's a future star card. He only had four home runs for the in Major League Baseball, so he wasn't quite a future star. But he ended up being a superintendent in school somewhere in, in California, and uh, he signed my card for me. And about I think it was like two months, I got that one back. I got two cards back from uh, Nat Moore. Nat Moore played for the Miami Dolphins. He was a wide receiver for a number of years. He signed his 86 and 87 tops card. He has a great signature, and I got that back in a couple weeks. 
I got Doug Cosby. Doug Cosby, of course, was a tight end with the Cowboys, and he signed his 83 and 86 tops card for me in a couple weeks. I got uh, Truck Robinson. Remember Truck Robinson? Len Truck Robinson from the uh, Suns, the NBA. Well, okay. he, si- he signed his 81-82 tops card for me, as well as a, a leader card. He's a, a leader card, the uh, Suns leader card that he signed, uh, that he's on two times, and he shares it with Alvin Adams. So I'm going to send it off to Alvin Adams to get that signed. I got Dermonte Dawson, Hall of Famer, played yeah. many years for the, the Steelers center, and he was a long snapper. He signed uh, and put Hall of Fame 2012 on it. He signed, uh, this is uh, for my 92 uh, game day set. I, for some reason, I didn't have him, so I sent it off to him. He signed it, uh, sent, he charged 10 bucks, but I, signed, I, I sent it off. He signed that. Then I got, remember uh, Lyle Blackwood, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago? Well, I oh, got yeah. his brother, Glenn. Nice. Glenn Blackwood on an 83 and 86 card. Ran a couple weeks, he signed in Blue Sharpie. And then I got two yesterday. I got Tim Stoddard. Uh, interestingly, Tim started let up uh, the ho- home run. Uh, what's his name? Pot Dodson's first home run. Oh, geez. I didn't even realize that. So he signed his 82, 82 and uh, 85 tops card for me. And then lastly, I need this for my 78 set. I, you know, you know, when you're collecting sets and something, I mean, you, you do the same thing, you know, you, you, you're looking like, how did I not have this guy? Mm-hmm. So it was Mike Vale. Mike Vale played for the, the, the Mets and a couple other teams. He was an outfielder. He charges, I think it was either five or ten dollars. Uh, so maybe that's why I hadn't sent it off to him, but I did send it off to him and he signed it in black sharpie for me in uh, about two weeks. So uh the I've been getting a lot of I've been getting probably two or three returns every week, which is uh, every day, I mean, which is which is nice. Um, but I didn't send anything out this week, so I'm going to I got to get back into it and send a few out. But I think that wraps up returns. Uh, Drew, you had said you got some stuff you're going to send out as well, right? Yeah, I've got uh, stuff sitting here for uh, Greg Pruitt, the former Browns running back, who's yep. pretty good DTMer, and somehow I've never mailed to him. I think anytime that I look to mail to him, it's like, well, he was kind of in a dead spot. So I'm like, yeah, I'll hold off a little bit. And now it's like, all right, I might as well do it. Uh, got stuff pulled here for Franklin Gutierrez, who I know you mentioned you got hit yep. back fairly recently. And finally, going to get the Dennis Eckersley rookie card sent out as well. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Very cool. At least got, got those three on there. And I've got a whole list of other guys I just need to pull stuff for, too. I know. That's the hardest thing. It's just, you know, you get everything going, and then you're like, oh, no, I got to go find the cards. Yep. <laughs> well, that wraps up our returns for the week. Uh, and we're going to go right into our TTM cast interview for the week. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, Drew, we've had this guy on the show a couple times before. Uh, he's always very forthcoming about what's going on in the hobby and what's going on with his company. I'm talking, of course, about Ezra Levine. He is the CEO of collectibles.com. They have taken the hobby by storm the last, what, two years, right? They are, mm-hmm. they came from nowhere to being a, a major player in the hobby. And we're talking about the fractional market. And we talked to Ezra about what's going on at collectibles, uh, the fractional market per se, and also what's been going on in the hobby. Uh, he has his fingers on, on the pulse of what's going on. So uh, please enjoy my interview with Ezra Levine. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. All four major North American sports are in full swing, and CSG is celebrating the sports equinox with 20% off grading fees. Now, through October 31st at 6 p.m. Eastern, get your cards graded with CSG for 20% off their already low fees. Remember, bulk submissions have just a 25-card minimum, too. 
CSG has the best turnaround times with affordable grading fees. Join the show from his office in New York City. It's CEO of Collectible.com. His name is Ezra Levine. He's been on the show a couple of times. Welcome, Ezra. Thanks for, for having me back, Jeff. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Ezra, uh, what number? How many people are, are uh, on Collectibles.com now? Oh, uh, well, well over, I would say 100,000 plus, well over 100,000 plus have shown an interest in collectibles, which is uh, a real strong sign, I believe, for the hobby community going forward. Fractional uh, many times is the first you know, and the easiest on-ramp for people who either are coming back to collecting or haven't collected in a long time or, you know, freshly new to the hobby altogether. So, you know, I think a leading indicator of, you know, future hobby strength is, you know, how successful the fractional platforms uh, are so we're we're excited that number continues to grow and we can we you know we continue to see good good metrics there. You guys have been around for two years now. You made huge inroads in the hobby, but for someone that's just kind of new to you and hasn't really heard collectibles and isn't a member, why, why don't you give uh, my listeners just a kind of brief outline of uh, you know the elevator pitch of what you guys are doing, and then we can really get into the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, the the easiest way to kind of think about uh, collectible really is providing opportunities to collect and invest in the most rare, the most iconic, the most valuable collectibles there is at price points that everyone can afford. And I think everyone's probably seen a lot of the, the, the major headlines, how the top end of the market continues to you know, see rampant growth and record prices. We, we've now got in you know, just in the last couple of weeks, not one, but two eight figure confirmed public sales in sports collectibles with the Mantle 52 tops. You know, we've got the Michael Jordan jersey. So we're seeing amazing headlines. But of course the caveat is, is that only one person can buy that. Right. One can buy that. So what collectible does is, hey, look, you know, these types of opportunities are available to anyone. You don't need to be a millionaire. You can, you know, invest or collect or spend whatever you feel comfortable doing that. So, you know, uh, for, for us, that that is sort of the high level elevator pitch is the best of the best at price points you can afford. Uh, and then I would say, you know, um, almost just as important for us is, you know, we're building Think about sort of the financial infrastructure to support collectibles as a legitimate alternative asset class. I know some people in the, in the industry get a little uncomfortable when we talk about collectibles <laughs> as an investment or collectibles as an asset class, and I fully appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, the, the data is what the data is, right? And uh, what's coming is what's coming. And we know that uh, people are thinking about collectibles as an investment. We know that uh, you know, it's being seen as an investment. People are starting to integrate it into their uh, in, into their portfolios and their financial pictures. And so we're building the technology and the regulatory climate to enable that. Have you seen a lot of people that uh, were not necessarily collectors or in the collectible hobby um, that are investing in uh, sports collectibles now because it's a kind of an easy inroad through collectibles? We do. We do. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the fractional players so far uh, have been people who, you know, either can't afford to buy these assets uh, at auction or, you know, through private sales directly or personally, or people who, you know, want to get exposure to them, but don't necessarily care so much about having, you know, having it physically on their mantle or on their wall or in their closet. Um, and so th those, those really have been the two primary uh, users of fractional on the, on the buy side, you know, the buyers of fractional. So certainly uh, we're also certainly seeing a lot of uh, interest from more investor types in, you know, owning collectibles. You know, for instance, we did, you know, an education, uh, an educational seminar just last month with JP Morgan, where they spoke about collectibles as an investment opportunity or how to think about collectibles as an investment opportunity that was broadcast to all of JP Morgan's private wealth clients. So we're starting to see 
a lot of that. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I know that talking about collectibles as an investment is sometimes not, you know, a comfortable topic for many yep. in the hobby. I fully, fully appreciate that. And I think this industry, this hobby is large enough to support people who think of it as just a collectible and a passion pursuit. Uh, and it's also big enough to support people who think about it as an investment. I think that's that's the beauty of this is the market can support and is there to uh, support and provide whatever, um, you know, a lot of different types of people want it to be. But speaking with Ezra, Ezra Levine, I, t- I promised myself I wouldn't mess that up. <laughs> you're good. You're good. So Ezra, yeah. Ezra Levine, yeah. I don't know why that's hard for me. He is CEO of Collectible.com. That's with an A, C-O-L-E-C-T-A-B-L-E.com. Uh, Ezra, um, as we see a, you know, a recent downturn in the stock market, I mean, it's been a horrible month, right? A horrible six months in the stock market. Inflation's affecting the economy. Um, how has that affected um, the collectible market and people coming to uh, collectible.com? Has that, that affected you? Yeah, look, I, mean, look, I, mean, I think you know, we're, we're in certainly unprecedented times and you know, certainly people are feeling the pinch. You look across the board and, you know, people are just not feeling as wealthy or as speculative as they were before. I think it'd be crazy to suggest that it's not having any impact at all. You know, I think what we're seeing across the the collectibles universe is sort of a bifurcation. The best of the best continues to do incredibly well. And there is seemingly no end in sight to demand and price points at the upper, upper end. And the things that, you know, are just not that rare or just not that scarce, or maybe you can buy in a couple months because it always comes up. Are things that seem to be, um, you know, having a little bit of a buyer strike at the moment, and those continue to trend down. So really, you know, we are seeing, uh, I think, what you'd expect to see, right? And you know, certainly there are pockets of the industry, pockets of collectibles that are uh, more affected by kind of macroeconomic factors uh, than others. And so again, I think you know, really, what we're seeing is the best of the best continues to almost have no price tag that seems too high to pay, and everything else seems to be far, far more affected, at least in the short term. Yeah, did it surprise you that uh, Memory Lane Inc. has offered $2 million for this 62 Judge Ball uh, sight unseen? Is that, is that something that, that kind of said, oh, well, something's happening here? Well, I mean, I, you know, I love it. I mean, I'd say, you know, not, not just for collectible, but I think for the hobby, right? You know, for, first and foremost, I'm a collector and I love, I love the industry. I love, I love the hobby. And I love when it gets mainstream headlines. I think for a long time, you know, sort of underrepresented. And sort of uh, you know underregarded you know in the, in the mainstream press, particularly as it relates to other collectible categories. And so you know I think I think headlines like this are tremendous. Man, I love seeing you know people talk about the value of game used memorabilia and baseballs and you know anytime you know major headlines and major press outlets are talking about. It, I think it's great for everyone. It's great for the hobby community. It brings awareness. It brings participation and engagement. So I think it's tremendous. You know I, I also think with Judge in particular, you have sort of a sweet spot of everything, right? Judges, right. he plays in New York, he's a Yankee, he's chasing a Yankee record. He's very likable, very clean image. The first sort of non-steroid, you know, sort of asterisk uh, headline, you know, for you know, for a home run chase since Roger Maris and since Babe Ruth. So I just think it's a confluence of factors. Plus, you know, how much media exposure it's getting. Anytime you're watching anything, but judge comes up, they cut immediately the judges at bat. So it, it's exciting. And, and again, you know, I don't know what the ball is worth, uh, I'll render no no estimate on that front, but I do <laughs> love seeing I do love seeing when when the hobby and the sports collectibles industry is put on the main stage. And by the way, that's been that's happened a lot recently. Again, it happened with Sotheby's in Jordan, the Jordan jersey. I mean, how many different publications? Bloomberg, CNN, New York Times. I mean, every major 
publication was talking about the $10 million plus Jordan sale. Same thing with, with Mickey Mantle. I even saw a headline saying that, you know, the best investment in the world right now is Mickey Mantle baseball cards. And this was on Barron's and Cranes. And it's amazing to see. And again, I think it's, I think everyone in the industry benefits when headlines like that occur, whether you're in content and you're looking for additional listeners and eyeballs, whether you're in a fractional ownership business, whether you're a dealer, whether you're a distributor, whatever you are in this industry, we benefit from more people knowing about it. And I always get excited about that. Why do you think collectibles and fractionalization has gained such a, a foothold and acceptance in, in the hobby and in the investment world? Well, look, I'll say that I don't think it's gained that much, uh, you know, sort of acceptance so far. I think I, I think in a lot of ways we are very much in, you know, in the, in the ground floor of where I think fractional uh, ultimately will be accepted. I think you've, we've had early adopters who understand it. We've had early adopters who have supported it. But, you know, I think in the grand scheme of what fractional can, should and will be, I think we're very, very early. In fact, you know, even though we're a year and a half, two years into this, I still hear from people who are asking, you know, very simple, basic questions around how it works and what is it. And so, I, you know, I would push back a little bit and say, look, I think I think we're still very, very early uh, in fractional adoption. I think there's a lot of creative applications of fractional, which have uh, yet to be uh, fully embraced. We're building a couple of things that I can't fully speak to just yet that we're going to announce and release in the next couple of months. So, um, again, I think what you've seen from fractional so far is the very early applications, the very early, early adopters who kind of uh, understood it and tried it and hopefully enjoyed it. But I think there's a lot more to come. You, you came from a financial background. You're also a collector. Uh, what has surprised you? What uh, has surprised you most in the, in the uh, two years you, you've been uh, at the head of collectibles? Well, that's a good question. I mean, a lot. I mean, and, you know, A, you know, um, I've, I've never I've never been a CEO of anything in my life. Right. So I mean, I've done other entrepreneurial pursuits. I was you know, the chief strategy officer and the CFO of a company. I worked in the financial markets. This is my first time you know, being a CEO. So, you know, there's a lot. Uh, you know, that continues to surprise me. I continue to learn a lot every day. I mean, I could say on the collectible side, one thing that actually has surprised me is uh, the difference in the types of users that Fractional has attracted relative to what I think we intended or thought it might attract. And I'll, I'll go into more detail there. You know, when you look at our data, about 90% of the dollars that have been invested in the platform or spent on the platform have come from uh, what are called accredited investors. Accredited investors are people who have over a million dollars net worth or make over $250,000 a year. You know, I think that that has surprised us just, you know, that fractional is not just appeal to people who can't afford, you know, big ticket items any other way, but has you know, also brought in a lot of some of the biggest heavyweights and investors and collectors in the industry have taken to fractional. I think that's something that has surprised us. Um, you know, another thing that surprised us is kind of how widespread um, you know, our audience is. We have a user in all 50 states in America, age ranges from 18 to 85, right? I mean, it's a pretty wide uh, range of interest in collectibles. I think that's very, I think that's very exciting. So just, you know, internally, I would say it's, it's those uh, two things that, you know, Fractional actually has a lot of appeal to some of the more uh, affluent collectors and investors in the market. And just, you know, how widespread the interest has been both in uh, kind of demographics and geographics, and uh, it continues to get me excited about what the future of Fractional has in store for it. Do you think your investors uh, are more emotionally attached to it, uh, to, to the things that they, that they uh, purchased through you, as opposed to 
you know, just buying a share of stock uh, from ATT as opposed to getting a share of uh, Will Chamberlain's rookie jersey. Do, you know what I mean? Do they? Do you think people look at it as a $20 share or do they look at it as, oh, I own a piece of Will Chamberlain's jersey? It's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I, I hope that people, you know, find it more engaging and more of an emotional connection of, of owning this. I mean, certainly I think Collectible could be and will be doing a lot more to create that emotional attachment and kind of more, I hate the word utility, but more utility around it. If you buy this and you have access to this, or, you know, you get certain perks and benefits that you wouldn't otherwise get if you weren't sort of a shareholder in this. So certainly I think collectible can be doing a lot more and I'm excited you know, for some of the things that we're going to be rolling out on that front. But, you know, I think more, more, more broadly, that certainly has been one of the biggest appeals of collectibles. And in fact, not just, you know, kind of the, the anecdotal evidence, but when you look at the performance of collectible assets during similar periods of macro uh, unrest and uncertainty and periods where the stock market and the bond market has exhibited weakness. I mean, you know, it is one of the more commonly narratives is that it is that emotional connection. It is that, you know, it factor that, you know, has historically led people to sell collectibles the last, right? If you yep. need, if you need, if you need liquidity, you need money or you get scared, you're going to sell everything else first and your collectibles last. And I think, um, you know, certainly that emotional connection has been something that has given it the resilience that it has exhibited during similar periods in the past. We're, speak, we're speaking with Ezra, Ezra Levine. I'm going to get it, Ezra. I promise. <laughs> he is CEO of Collectible.com. That's Collectible with an A, C-O-L-E-C-T-A-B-L-E.com. Uh, and we mentioned the Will Chamberlain uh, rookie uniform, uh, you know, the Jordan uniform, the uh, last answer uniform went for $10 million. And I saw there was an offer for $3 million for the Chamberlain uniform, but your investors uh, turned it down almost, uh, you know, 90%, I think was the number, right? Did, did, did that surprise you that, it, again, it, was, it wasn't make, let's make money, it was let's hold on to this? Look, man, I, I loved it, right? I mean, you know, again, for, for collectible, you know, we, we obviously want the best of the best in the platform. I want people to have a really engaging experience. And so, you know, um, look, I think it does, it does kind of continue to show that, you know, notion that the best of the best, these one of a kind pieces that just don't come around often are the ones that are really seeing a lot of demand, certainly with this Chamberlain piece. I mean, this is, you know, this is the home full rookie uniform that Chamberlain wore during one of the most iconic and impressive rookie campaigns of all time. I don't know the exact numbers offhand, but he broke like eight NBA records. He won the NBA MVP. Uh, he averaged like 30, 20 and something amazing and ridiculous. And, you know, just, just the wear and tear on this full uniform compared to the modern jerseys is amazing. I mean, he wore this pretty much for every home game right. during that rookie campaign, both the top jersey and uh, and the shorts for arguably the greatest big man and one of the most iconic figures in NBA history. So um, did it surprise me? Look, I think anytime you get a $3 million offer and it gets yeah, you rejected, have to sit back and say, wait a minute, that's yeah, a serious you know, money there. Notice, man, you know, I think if we, if we rewound the clock two years ago and said, hey, look, you know, you're going to get a $3 million offer on a game-worn memorabilia jersey, people are going to 90% reject it. I think you'd say, I'll, I'll take the other side of that bet. But I think it shows how far game worn has come, how far demand has come, uh, and perhaps some of the different players that have come into sports collectibles and had, had existed before. So certainly exciting. Um, and it'll be interesting to kind of track what happens with that jersey over time. Is there anything, is there one that got away, so to speak, something that you guys were looking at to, to bring into the portfolio that you wish you really did? Uh, yeah. there's, there's a lot. I mean, there's, there's, there's one piece in particular that I, I still 
Uh, and again, you know, our, our job is not to kind of um, overwrite, you know, what the shareholders want and stand in the way of what the shareholders want. But, you know, the, the asset that I certainly wish we still had on the platform was the first asset we ever brought to the market. And that was our 1953 Mickey Mantle PSA 10, you know, personally one of my favorite uh, looking cards. I just love that 53 top set. I think it's truly art, truly art. And, you know, Collectible had one of, uh, one of two, it was a pop two uh, PSA 10s. And, um, you know, shareholders made a nice return. They made 25% in a year. But I think when we think about the types of assets that are commanding big money and that are just trophy properties though, and that certainly is one of them. And we saw, you know, sort of what a pop four, if you will, give or take on 52 uh, tops mantle did brought, you know, over, over $12 million. And I think certainly um, you know, 53 tops mantle on a 10, uh, you can make a good case for that being worth more than three, three, three plus million today. Yeah, I mean, in corporate posterity and history, right? It would have been nice to keep that very first item, I, I would think. Exactly, exactly. That yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm sure I'm sure uh, Ray Kroc wanted the first dollar that he earned. And, you know, it's, you, know you go to restaurants and they put, put up their dollar or, or, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm a history guy, so I, 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 I would think I'd want to hold on to that forever. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I know you guys have, uh, you know, you started last year with Mint Collective and that's coming up again in 2023. Uh, what what can people expect? When is, when is it going to be? Uh, what What uh, is in store for Mint Collective? And, and uh, you know, what did you learn from last year's show? Yeah, uh, and Mint, so, you know, just for, uh, for, for people who don't have the proper context. So the uh, Mint is a show uh, that Collectible curated. We launched last year uh, in partnership with IMG and Endeavor with Peyton Manning uh, and his production company, Omaha Productions. Um, and uh, we launched our first our first uh, show last year is in Las Vegas at the end of March. And you know, the, the feedback we received was, was overwhelmingly positive. So we're excited to bring that back again this year. Last year, uh, the, the title sponsor was eBay. Uh, we'll be making some announcements on title sponsors and, and, and major participants uh, in the show going forward. Um, but the, the 2023 version of it will also be in Las Vegas. Um, it will be in and around the same weekend. So it's the, the last couple of days in March, uh, spilling over into the first couple of days in, in April. We're actually expanding the show. Last year, the three-day show, this will be a four-day show. And you know, with that, some really exciting announcements uh, and, and, new, and new, new initiatives will be coming forth. So uh, more, more to come, certainly on that front. Vendors uh, can actually register right now. There is you know, sort of a, a vendor approval uh, application form that is on the Mint Collective website. So you should definitely check that out. It was a great show last year. We fully anticipated only getting bigger and better from here. What um, sectors of the hobby do you see as being the most potential? I know we've hit, you know, card, cards and vintage cards and now we're game worn. Um, is, is ticket stubs the next thing? Is it programs is the next thing? Is it NFT, NFTs? Is that where people should be uh, looking to put their money. What do you, th what do you think uh, has the most potential for growth in the next, next year or two? Yeah, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great question. Look, I, mean, I would say if, if I had, if I had that kind of predictive lens, uh, <laughs> I'd probably be making a lot more money, but uh, no, look, I, mean, you know, I felt very confidently last year in saying that I thought game worn memorabilia uh, was really, it was really due to rise. And I was you know, on the public record numerous times as saying, uh, you know, I thought, I thought game worn was dramatically underpriced. I also, you know, thought that we'd really see eight-figure sales start to take shape. In fact, on a couple uh, podcasts, I said we're going to see not one but multiple eight-figure sales 
2022, and that and that uh, has proven to be um, you know true as well. Not to say that every prediction I make is correct, because believe me, if you saw my NFL survivor pool or some of my <laughs> picks, me too. Or, or my sports gambling picks over the last couple of weeks, you, you would know exactly that. Um, but look, man, I think one one thing that we've seen is it's not enough to have speculation in a collectible subcategory, right? Because because I think speculation comes and goes, and we're seeing right now we're living through probably one of the worst financial markets that we'll probably ever see, you know, and certainly one that is one of the worst that has ever been recorded. And you see, you know, oftentimes how thin these markets are, and speculation goes up and speculation comes down, and with it, you know, prices go up and prices come down rather quickly. So I think, you know, the the, the key factors that I'd be looking for in uh, predicting the next kind of rise of any of these subcategories is a couple things. One is I think you need a strong collector base, right? I think in order to see, you know, a real rise in any of these markets, you need a combination of a couple things. You need a strong collector foundation uh, who will backstop and who will always be there to buy as if prices come down a little bit. And you need speculators who believe in uh, the appreciation potential of the market. Some of these smaller categories, I do worry uh, that, you know, the true collector foundation is not, is not always there. I think we've seen that in the NFTs. I mean, NFTs certainly have been far more speculative and they had necessarily true collectors in it. Uh, and I think you also need mainstream exposure. And, um, you know, I think you need, you know, some combination of social media and, you know, and, and, and media exposure to get it, right? So I think those are, when I, when I think about, you know, the, the characteristics of markets, I think it's, you need a strong collector base. Uh, you need the ability for there to be a lot of media exposure uh, around it. And I would say, you know, um, another thing, you also need scarcity and rarity and grails, right? Because that's ultimately, you know, where, you know, what the market chase is, and that tends to re-rate a lot of things. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, one category, not, not to be predictive, but one category that I think has a lot of those characteristics uh, are magazines. I mean, I think, you know, in particular, kind of graded, high-end, low-population sports illustrated magazines, I think is a really interesting subset. There's a very strong collector base. Uh, it's Sports Illustrated, which obviously has IP, and a great brand name. It's something that everyone collected one way or the other. Um, so, you know, I think um, I think uh, graded Sports Illustrated magazines, script, you know, one, ones that you know are newsstand copies. I think you have to also understand the, the intricacies. You need a newsstand copy. Those are much more rare than subscription copies. But I think that has a lot of potential. We we completed our first IPO. In that, we have the, the Gretzky rookie cover, Sports Illustrated. I think the second highest graded copy on record. Heritage recently sold, you know, the the, the sort of first cover, Mantle and Ali's, and um, you know, all the all the goats of sports. So I think that has potential. I think um, Heritage did a great job marketing the Mantle card that recently got sold. I think they it was the star of the national. Would you agree with me on that? I, the mantle card you're saying or yeah, the, or the, the card mantle? itself there, there wasn't anyone that didn't have their picture taken with that card i it was I all thought, on social media did, a, did a, a, a class job all the way across the board on that I, I thought i thought everything was incredibly well orchestrated i think the lead time was perfect the, the 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 only thing i would say and i told i told a lot of the guys over at heritage of this personally what i would like to see from some of these major auction houses is a more engaging um you, you know sort of final bidding uh, process, right? So, you know, for yeah, I agree. Like when you're sitting in an auction house and you have two, three people bidding on it, and it's kind of a blind, it's a blind bid because it's all online. Correct. And, you know, with Heritage, I mean, you had you had all all eyes of the sports collectibles industry on them. 
They had a lot of mainstream media on them and it goes into extended bidding, which is 30 minutes. You need 30 minutes for someone has to make a bid in that 30 minutes. Otherwise the auction's over. But anytime someone makes a bid within those 30 minutes, the clock resets. They had the, the weight of the collectibles industry on their shoulders for hours. I mean, I was up watching this and I was probably up to finish at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And unless you're one of the extended bidders, you couldn't see how much time was left on the clock. I think it'd be a much more exciting, much more engaging experience that they had if they publicized the extended bidding clock. And there was a countdown where you could say, oh, there's two minutes left. Someone's got to make a bid in two minutes, but there's 10 seconds left. So I, I, think, I think more exposure on that would make for a very exciting process. Uh, but aside from that, Heritage did a, a, a really great job with it and obviously produced a great result for the consignment. As a collector and as a financial guy, do you think the, the mantle was under undersold, undervalued? Do you think the guy got a good, good buy at, at $12 million, $12.5 million? That's a great question. Look, I think I think I think markets will will tell us over time, but I do think I do think that that is the type of piece that you know, certainly has a lot of potential, right? And just given how much mainstream attention it got, given the narrative around that, um, you know, I think, and, and just given the fact that it's Mickey Mantle, it's 1952 tops, and just so iconic, I, th I think that that is the type of piece that you know you, you'd feel most comfortable spending that kind of money uh, on, and you know, certainly you know, from everything that I heard, you know that. That card, you know, was worth more the following day than when when the, the person bought it that evening. People have this FOMO, this buyer's remorse. I should have gone one bit higher. I mean, yep. I, th I think that probably immediately was worth more. We'll obviously see, you know, what what the market says about it over time, though. But speaking with Ezra Levine, see, I got it, Ezra. Ezra Levine. He is CEO of Collectible.com. That's with an A, Collectible.com, a uh, fractional company. They're fractional. They're in. Uh, uh, an investment company as well as a, a mem memorabilia and collectible company. Uh, Ezra, why don't you let people know how they can, uh, you know, if they're interested in becoming part of the fractionalization market, they, you know, they want to uh, purchase a piece of, of you know, Will Willie Mays's uh, home uniform, or I'm just giving examples. If they, they want to pay uh, purchase something in your portfolio, how do they go about doing that? Yeah. So uh, we, we're available uh, pretty much in, on any device you have. Uh, both, you know, via the website and uh, both, you know, a, an app for both Apple and Android. So our website is www.collectible.com. You can sign up there uh, or you can download our app. It's Collectible app uh, via any of your app stores. You should be able to find us. You can also find us on any social media platform uh, at Collectible app. And uh, love, love to have you as part of the community. Now this this IPOs right that are new that are new items that that are on the, the app or on the site and then there's other things that that have already been sold so to speak and you only sold sell, sell so many shares so as a collector say if I had bought ten shares of the Will Chamberlain uniform now the, you're not selling new shares for that you're only selling but I can still sell my shares if I want is that how it, it works. Correct. Yeah, correct. So the, the, the people can originally buy into the deal on IPOs. And then, um, you know, once those IPOs are fully funded, we essentially created, think of it as, you know, the first official stock market for collectibles. So you can buy, sell and trade, you know, shares of high-end collectibles during true stock market hours when the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ is open, collectibles open, right? So 9.30 to 4 o'clock, Monday through Friday. Uh, true stock market holiday hours or everything looks and feels uh, exactly like the real stock market. And uh, again, you could buy, sell and trade interests uh, in iconic collectibles during those hours. If I, if I own shares and I 
do I have to put them up for sale, so to speak, or does collectible buy them back and then sell them to other collectors or how, how, how does, how does that work? Yeah, it's, a, it's strictly a peer-to-peer -peer market. So, you know, we, we are not interfering at all, you know, with the trading component of it. We're not acting as a market maker. We're not, we're not dealing it. Uh, it is strictly a peer-to-peer -peer market. Uh, bidders who or buyers who want to buy shares go and they essentially put in a price that they want and a quantity of shares that they want. And sellers would do the same. They'd go in and if they already own shares but wanted to sell it, they would go in and they would offer uh, their shares for sale with the price that they'd be willing to sell it and how many shares of theirs that they want to sell. Uh, if there's overlapping bids and, and offers for that stock, just like the stock market, then the, the trade will uh, will be consummated and cleared. So it's, it's been a very, very engaging, very engaging experience so far. Obviously, I think we're still very, very early in this. I think, you know, we'll continue to bring on liquidity and transaction volume over time as we get more and more users there. But certainly, you know, the, the fabric for the first, you know, regulated, real liquid and trusted uh, stock market, if you will, for collectibles is very much there. I'm thrilled with what we're, uh, what we're building. One, one thing that we actually recently did to kind of prove how far, you know, collectibles have become as a potentially mainstream alternative asset class, we recently brought on the former chairman of the SEC, his name is Jay wow. Clayton, to as a special advisor to collectible to help kind of build out, you know, the regulatory component and to make sure that, you know, the, the integrity uh, of the market infrastructure is there that's been, you know, really, a really um, significant get for us. And certainly we learned a lot, uh, you know, from him. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited, very bullish on the future of collectibles. You know, whether you're a hobbyist who, you know, just wants to, you know, have an appreciation and love, uh, you know, of the industry and get exposure to cards you might not otherwise be able to, or assets you might not otherwise be able to afford. Or if you're an investor type who's looking to diversify your portfolio, regardless of, you know, what stripes you are, I think collectible is a, a really great place for you to uh, come and experience. How many items are currently in collectibles portfolio? Uh, I, th I think there's around 250, give or take, uh, assets that are currently trading live. We have done over $50 million in completed fractional uh, assets. And so, you know, we continue to get great stuff and continue to put out new stuff. And again, we have, uh, you know, we've been retooling a little bit because we've learned a lot over the last year and a half, two years, and we're going to be bringing out some some pretty revolutionary and pretty cool uh, new products and services to the market. So we'll be making announcements uh, on that in the near future. But you know, again, our, our North Star really is to build a trusted, regulated, uh, liquid marketplace to support collectibles, uh, both as an alternative asset, uh, but also most importantly as you know a collectibles platform where you know hobbyists and, and the community can get exposure to things and to learn and to, and to kind of have community benefits of things that. Uh, they otherwise would be, you know, just simply priced out of. As a collector, I'm not saying as a CEO. Now I'm saying now, now switch hats. You're a collector. What's your favorite asset that that's in the portfolio right now? Well, it's funny because I've also been on the record numerous. I've been asked this question before, and the one that I actually have always said, which is true, is that Will Chamberlain 1959-1960 home full uniform. I just think it's, I just think it's so cool, right? I mean, I, I've always been far more, and I have you know, very healthy appreciation and respect for cards. Um, but I've also I've always been personally struck by by game worn memorabilia. There's something very unique about it, very cool about it. it. Gives you, you know, real kind of you're you're in the action, right? That's the very that's the exact jersey, the the exact uniform that the player used to achieve uh, whatever he or she achieved. So uh, I've always said that a Chamberlain jersey is one that has always been of interest to me, and certainly uh, I think the market has spoken that it's of interest to the market as well. So um, it's a great piece. We've got other great pieces too. So. 
highly, highly encourage people to come on Collectible, check out what we have. And if they have any questions, always feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you part of the community. Uh, as a collector, um, do you do you see the state of the card hobby, the card market, uh, and which has been in a real flux the last six six months to a year? Do you see? Do you like the direction the card market is going? And do you think we're uh, you, you know when this it's all kind of um, stabilized? Do you think we're we'll be in good shape as a hobby? You know, look. I think you know that's 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 obviously very hard to predict. I, I do think, given given where the world is, right, and, and kind of how turbulent times have been, I'm very impressed, candidly, with how the market has held up. I mean, there's you know there's been a lot of growth in the amount of collectors that have come in. There's been a lot of growth in the amount of mainstream attention that the hobby has received. There's been a lot of movement behind the scenes on kind of getting you know real institutional money to come into the space. There's been a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and great companies that uh, have been established. There's been big investments with likes of Blackstone and Amazon and Fanatics. And I mean, th there's there's just been a lot of progress made over the last uh, over the last couple of years. I mean, one thing that I think is very true, I mean, this is a market, right? I mean, so, you know, when, you know, it's subject to kind of the whims both up and down, it's subject to great times, it's subject to, to some down years. And I think that's very healthy, right? I think, you know, really what, you know, the amount of activity that we've seen is that this is becoming probably more of an efficient, still very inefficient in the grand scheme of things, but this is becoming a more efficient market over time. And uh, I think given what's happening in the world, given how much uh, turmoil there has been, I mean, you look at, I was looking at an amazing stat, not to get too financially wonky, but you know, I was looking at the index of you know corporate bonds, right? You know, prior to this year, the biggest drawdown in you know, one of these kind of corporate bond indexes was like 5%. In 2022, as of today's recording, that index is down 24%. Right? You look at, you know, where some of these uh, some of these bond yields are trading in in Europe and in Great Britain. I mean, you know, you could have bought a bond for, you know, well, you know, call it, you know, a dollar. Now that same bond is trading at 25 cents, and these are government bonds, right? Right. So when you when you, when you think about, you know, even even the the high, you know, the high end modern sports card market, which is arguably the most, you know, the most speculative. You know, area of the market. I mean, when you say that's down 25%, I think that's amazing, right? Or you look at, you know, kind of the high-end vintage index on card ladder down 14, 15%. I think that's amazing, right? And even in spite of this, you're seeing, you know, record prices and record headlines. So gosh, I mean, I think if you, if you gave people, you know, this macro backdrop and said, how do you think the card market is going to perform? And you told them, hey, look, here's where the numbers are so far today. I think you would say this is one of the best performing asset classes in the world right now. And, you know, and I think, I think that probably is the case. Obviously there's, you have to slice and dice the market in a lot of different ways, right? So not everything's investment grade, not everything right. is in these indices fully appreciate that. And so you know, it depends who you're talking to, but from a, from a high end sort of uh, investment potential, I think this has been one of the best performing asset classes we've seen over the last year when there's a lot of things that uh, people would have been shocked to hear that they're trading where they are. We have World Cup coming up next month. Um, do you guys envision having any soccer offerings or World Cup offerings? And have you changed your, have you added to your mix of just the big four, big three uh, sports? Yeah, we've, 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 we've done some soccer. We've done some soccer. So, you know, we actually have some great cards. Uh, you know, uh, we've got, we got Ronaldo rookies, mm -hmm. uh, got Pele, right? So we'll, we'll probably be doing some to, to highlight the cards we already have. Uh, we are looking to bring on some new assets. Uh, in and around the World Cup, uh, so, so so stay stay tuned there. But certainly, if you're looking for exposure to soccer 
some of the most iconic uh, and sort of uh, rare and you know, low, low population cards there is. You're looking for some exposure into the World Cup. Uh, we certainly have some great stuff. Ezra Levine, he is CEO of collectibles.com. That's collectibles with an A. Check it out. Fractional uh, marketing, fractional investing. They have all sorts of great stuff. I want to thank you for your time talking what's happening, collectibles, a little about what's happening in the hobby. And it's good to get a perspective uh, from somebody that knows what he's talking financially because I am at a loss. <laughs> well, thanks uh, for, for, for having me, Jeff. And I'm, I'm happy to come on anytime. All right. Thank you, Ezra. You have a great week. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. Thank you. All right, Drew, we did it. Another one in the books. We're in mid-October already. Lots of stuff going on. Yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, year has gone by quick, quickly here. But yeah, I mean, always got new stuff to talk about, which is always good. Very cool. You got any shows coming up? You going to any, any uh, car shows? No, not really. I might check out, uh, There's. I know there's a couple of them that are coming up later on in uh November, their Dallas Card Show, of course, is going to have some stuff going on. There's another one that I know that uh, Les and I had talked about there that he's, uh, that I guess, Rafael Palmero is signing at. So I might check out those ones. But uh, yeah, other than that, keeping it in kind of uh, keeping kind of low here for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I was supposed to go. There was supposed to be a, a New England Patriots alumni event. And I, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to have it on the 30th of October. And I got an email a couple of days ago. They canceled it. Wow. I don't know why they canceled it. They've done it. They've been doing it for a, a little while, but. They canceled the event all, all total, so they're going to send us a, re, a refund back. So a little bone about that. And then uh, we have the, the uh, Greater Boston Sports Collectibles Convention at the Shriners Auditorium in uh, first weekend in November. So I hope hopefully I'll go with that. And then I probably won't do any car, any shows for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not – kind of wintertime, there's not a lot of shows going on. And I, I'm not – you know, I, I don't mind going on the smaller shows you know, the small local shows that they have every, every month or, or every week or whatever, but it's kind of, I don't know. I feel, I get the feeling that they've already been picked through, if you know what I mean. You know, it's the yeah. same dealers that are there all the time. And I don't know, it, it, it doesn't have the same allure as, as going to some of the bigger shows, but I just want to first thank Ezra Levine for joining us from collectibles.com. It was great to hear from him. I want to thank Clemente Lise who joined us to talk about world cup. And what's going on uh, in collectibles, soccer collectibles. Remember, Clemente has a brand new book. Make sure you check it out. It's the uh, the FIFA World Cup. It's the history of the, the FIFA World Cup. It's a great book. You can get um, 30% discount off the book if you purchase it online, like on an, at Amazon. Use this code RLFANDL30. That's 30% off the book. Uh, I've got a copy of the book. Drew's got a copy of the book. It's really an enduro book. Highly recommend that. We will have Clemente on next month. Um, probably right before the World Cup starts to talk about uh, final World Cup stuff. And then we might have him on every week or every other week. He's actually going out to Qatar to go to the World Cup. And we might actually get a, a call from Clemente out in Qatar, which would be kind of cool. But one of our first international calls we did have, we did have an interview from Israel, but nice. But I, I think that he, he would be the farthest one if, if we do interview him from Qatar. And we're going to get, we're going to have to talk to Clemente all about the World Cup and learn more about that. Next week, we have Tom Zapala. Tom, of course, is from The Great American uh, Collectible Show, and that is available every Wednesday on anywhere you can find podcasts. And also, he wrote a new book about um, top 50 cards um, from Ken Kendrick from the Diamondbacks. So I'm going to talk to Tom about that. Drew, anything else you want to add before we, we close this thing up? 
I think we're uh, pretty well covered there, though. I got to say, now that you said, you know, we've had uh, one from Israel and we might have uh, Clemente come from Qatar. I'm going to say uh, when it comes to uh, challenge accepted, I'm going to go and see if I can find an Australian collector now to get on the show. Oh, I'd love to talk to somebody from Australia. Yeah, I'll see what I can find. I know there's uh, there's at least one uh, Australian card traders board that's out there. So I'm going to see what I can find out there. That'd be very cool. Thanks, bud. Hey, you have a great week, guys. Everyone stay safe. I want to wish, wish everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week. And guys, please make a donation to the uh, Lampella family. Uh, to help them out rebuild their collection. You can go to ttmcast.com, hit on the button, t, uh, Lampella, help the Lampella family, and you can learn out, learn about their story and how you can help them rebuild their collection that was lost during the hurricane. I think that's it. Everyone have a great week.